3: $20 million. That's what former Fox News anchor Gretchen Carlson won in a settlement last week after claiming her former boss at Fox, Roger Ailes, retaliated against her for rejecting his sexual advances. Hers is a high-profile case, but there are plenty of others. Retaliation claims are increasing, now outnumbering other discrimination complaints, as NPR's Yuki Noguchi reports.
4: It felt like surrender when Lorraine Siegel finally gave up her tenured professorship at a community college teaching English. I was
3: different. I was the only Jewish lesbian. I was extremely competent and good
4: at what I did, and I stood up for other people who were targets as well. Siegel, who lives in Santa Rosa, California, says her vocal objections made her unpopular with fellow faculty. They kept information from her, denied her classroom space, and wrote a scathing review based on anonymous comments. And I refused to sign off on their evaluation. After seeking legal counsel, Siegel got the review rewritten. But two decades of such experiences wore her down, and she eventually left. Retaliation cases now exceed claims of race discrimination, making up nearly half of all complaints filed with the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission. Legally, retaliation is firing, demoting, or harassing a worker because they complained or filed a discrimination charge. Experts say over half of retaliation cases are perpetrated by managers, but retaliation can also include bullying as a form of retribution. Catherine Mattheis founded Civility Partners, a consultancy focused on changing hostile work culture. I hear a lot of people say I was a whistleblower and I was bullied as a result of that. She herself faced an office nemesis in a previous job who demeaned and berated her and others. Her work suffered. She posted notes to herself saying, get up on her alarm clock. After begging the company president to intervene, he told her to leave immediately. He watched me pack my things and I left. That day. Was I retaliated against? Maybe. Should I have seen employment law attorney? Probably. Matthijs says retaliation can exist in a gray area and advises others to save nasty emails and document the incidents. Carol Miaskoff is assistant legal counsel for the EEOC. She says the abuse can take many forms. A manager might retaliate through a demotion, bad evaluation, or undesirable assignment to make it seem legitimate. Coworkers might exclude their colleague. Sometimes people
5: can be really creative about how they retaliate because the goal is to not seem like you are retaliating.
4: The behaviors are often juvenile and underhanded, she says, but the emotional damage is real.
5: I've definitely been bullied and it was horrible. Indeed, sometimes when I think about why did I go into civil rights law, I think that bullying and what that can do to you is one of the things that
4: drives me. Gary Namey is director of the Workplace Bullying Institute. He says bullying and retaliation are cycles that tend to escalate.
6: They escalate their campaigns
7: of persecution because they cannot stand being exposed.
4: He says the worst cases can lead to suicide, though that often doesn't clear matters up. The problem gets reinterpreted as a mental health issue.
0: Even in the face of suicide, I find that corporations and government agencies still do not punish or demote any of the managers who are responsible for the mistreatment.
4: Many workers persist amid difficulties for economic reasons, he says, but just as many stay out of a desire to stand up to injustice. Yuki and NPR News, Washington.
0: So counter-racist science, which is what we are supposed to be trying to evolve now, is supposed to be different. That when you say things and when you do things, they take effect. And it happens as an individual. See, I imagine most of you are tired of doing what I did for years, going to meetings, feeling fine, and then going back on the job the next day doing the same old thing, acting the same way, having the same value system, talking the same nonsense, getting on the elevator, insulting people as black males usually do, which is something I'm going to talk about tonight, elevator insults want to say that right now while it's on my mind. Stop it. Particularly black males in a place where you know a lot of people where you work. You ever notice black people on an elevator? Okay, we should just start right now. It's a set rule in counter-racist logic. Get on the elevator and say good morning. When you get to your floor, get off and say have a nice day. That's it. Don't say nothing else. If black people could just do that much, you'd be miles ahead white supremacists will wonder what's going on. You're not high-fiving, looking in the back of the elevator when you get on in front and look over everybody's head and insulting somebody that you know on the back. Hey, man, how come your eyes so red? That's your black male. See, you're entertaining. See, stop being the entertainment entertainment committee. Black people get around white people and immediately start monkey-shining. So, It's understandable, considering our condition and the way we've been programmed. But you resist it. So we need a code. Just like the illustration I gave you just a while ago. Get on the elevator. Say good morning to everybody on the elevator, black and white. Just one time. Say good morning. You know, one size fits all. Turn around and face the front. Ride to your floor. Get off say have a nice day not get on with a hey man what you doing man well you think about them oakland a's huh i know you had your money on it that's black people oh man you know where the a's can go on you too see and then they get into a thing of insulting each other it degenerates immediately and they elevate insults this is monday morning this is how you start your day yet we talk about some black pride and black this. We don't have a method of doing anything. And we've got to itemize everything, because you know how we are. If you don't itemize everything for black people, they'll get lost in a minute. Which is not because we are just by nature dumb or inept. It's because this is the result of this monolith called white supremacy. They have a code. White males, men, do not like to talk to black males even when they try because their conversation is limited. Isn't this the truth? After we get beyond, after he'll start it off by saying something about the weather. That's always an opening. Then sports, you know, what the football team or the basketball team is going to do. And then if they really know each other, have had a couple of conversations before, sex about black females. See, he's not going to stand up there and talk to you about white women. And black males know this. And black males don't talk to white men about white women. All right? But he'll stand up there and help a white man talk about a black female right there on the job. White guy say, hey, how you like that number? Old buddy, old buddy. (laughs) This is us. And we say, yeah, she's sure shaking that thing. (laughs) Yeah, like to get some of that. That's your black male. White woman passed by, and he's talking about the weather. Wait till the next black one comes back. and then we will kill each other. Talking about somebody dissing. Dissing? You're being disrespected 24 hours a day and kicked from pillar to post. And I have concluded that the purpose for all of the people sitting in this room, unless we have some white people here, is to eliminate white supremacy and produce justice. Now, how do I come to this conclusion? Because it's the only thing that everybody's still talking about. The wall came down. All of a sudden, no more communism. Gone in one swipe. See? And a lot of the people, white people who used to call themselves communists, are now saying, I understand you have some jobs over there that some black people have. And I'm coming after with my little blond haired blue-eyed children and get a bunch of them. Same jobs that you got. I always say white people are not unemployed because they have a job as long as I have one. Because when it comes right down to the wire, they can get mine. Because all they have to do is walk in there and talk to another white person and they got the job. If it comes down to the wire. see, You can't keep yourself from being fired. Believe me. Not when the white supremacists decides you are going
1: context of white supremacy gusty renegade in for another broadcast hopefully to share constructive information on the system of white supremacy today's date september thursday september 15th 2016 so i have been told this is our weekly broadcast on workplace racism We encourage non-white listeners to dial in uh, if you have observations, problems, particularly if you have figured out some strategies that have worked for you to minimize conflict, racist attacks, sexual harassment, problems with other white co-workers and or non-white co-workers, including supervisors, managers, etc. Dial in. This is not a spectator broadcast. This is not a program uh, for non-white people to just hang out on the line, on the phone, wherever you are listening, uh, and just be entertained. uh, Find amusement uh, with some of the things that are shared on this program. Uh, This is a serious problem. Uh, I think for most of us, we spend a sizable chunk of time uh, out of each week, out of most days of the week, on our jobs, and I think for most Black people anywhere in the world, uh, you are either directly experiencing white supremacy racism as a problem on your job, and or you are observing racism white supremacy. It might be impacting uh, other non-White people on your job. Somehow, some way, you're seeing it uh, on a regular basis. I think it's something that we should be. Uh, talking about coming up with strategies, ideas uh, for how to try to neutralize uh, these violations uh, against us as best we can. As I state consistently, if we have non-white people, victims of racism, who are what they call self-employed, certainly it would be great uh, for you to dial in and share some of your experiences uh, with how you have experienced white supremacy uh, being an entrepreneur. Uh, the number to dial 641 Seven one five three six four zero. The code is five six four nine four three pound. Press star six if you would like to participate. The number again six four one seven one five three six four zero. The code is five six four nine four three pound. Press star six if you would like to participate. You will hear the audio prompt. Press the number one, uh, and I'll see your hand on the switchboard. We will get you on the line. You heard the audio clip that was Mr. Neely Fuller Jr. giving some of uh, his views, suggestions uh, for the workplace. You also heard the segment before uh, Mr. Neely Fuller Jr., uh, that was from NPR, where they were talking about, uh, I thought it was interesting. Even though the first female, she identified as being quote-unquote Jewish, I suspect that this was someone who is classified, is able to function as white, is able to practice racism, white supremacy. They just throw that quote-unquote Jew or Jewish thing out there to add some confusion. But uh, saying that these claims of uh, retaliation and what have you, that there are more cases uh, of this now than racism, white supremacy. Uh, and again, in my opinion, it's whites that do the classify, uh, due to classifying. I suspect that frequently, if you're going to EEOC or if you go to human resources uh, at your job, 10 times out of nine, and that is the way I meant to say it, they are going to say unfounded. Uh, If a non-white person brings some sort of claim saying that they have uh, been mistreated on the basis of race, that someone has practiced racism, white supremacy against them, they're going to say that is, you know, ridiculous. We, you know, we had a Kwanzaa celebration last year and we did diversity training. We, you know, deplore racism that is totally against what this company is about. And certainly we do not have any races here. So it was not racism that is about what you're going to hear if there's a claim of uh, racism so I found that was uh, interesting even though they did reiterate at the end about documentation that's something that we mention all the time here save emails that sort of thing document if people are saying uh, things to you mistreating you making vulgar or derogatory comments uh, towards you to document all of that information that can be used that's something that we bring up on this broadcast all the time Without further ado, people wrote in. My email again is untiljustice at gmail Untiljustice at gmail dot com. If you have uh, scenarios, situations, if you figured out some codified techniques, you can drop an email, and I will read on the air. Uh, try not to wait till the end of the broadcast. Make sure that I get it in but if you drop an email i will make sure that we include it and we can keep it anonymous i know people do have concerns about you know getting in trouble with whites on the job and that is one thing i want to say uh, briefly that's something that i hope people would keep in mind it's totally logical at least in my view numerous people have raised concerns about uh they have either their own personal problems with workplace racism and or they have observations of things they've seen on the job, maybe something that happened to someone else, but they have reservations about dialing in to share this publicly because they could be heard. A white person, someone that they work with, could hear it and they could get in trouble. They could lose their job. They're trying to take care of themselves or their offspring. That is 1000 percent logical. That makes total sense. I just would hope that we keep that in mind because it's been my experience that a lot of times we can be very quick to criticize other black people for not speaking out and doing something about racism. And you know, good coon, you should have spoke up. You should have said something. I can't believe these no good times and coons and sambos won't say anything. They might have the exact same concerns that many of us have about not wanting to get in trouble with whites. My quick PSA. Moving forward, our black female caller in Michigan, uh, last week she wrote in. It was just uh, it was kind of close to when we were wrapping up the program. I did not see her email until we uh, had signed off, so I told her uh, to be patient. My apologies, and I would make it the number one email I read this week. Getting to it. I wanted to share my observations at the law firm I work at this week. They hired a white male secretary who unfortunately sits next to me, and he is very annoying. He does his best to try to start conversations with me, asking me for help and or just making unnecessary comments throughout the day. I think we have heard this uh, from our Michigan caller before about them hiring a new white person, male or female, and them requesting, requesting, asking for lots of help, uh, and specifically asking her, a black female asking that she be the one to aid and assist them where they don't understand something. Um, I have my headphones in, and I'm starting to think think that the fact that I have the headphones in bothers him because he will interrupt me as soon as he sees me put them in my ear. I just ignore him as if I didn't hear him, and it appears to be happening more frequently. Ugh. (laughs) The firm has hired seven new white people and has since implemented a mentor program to train the new employees and get them prepared for working at the firm. They are committed to helping each other succeed. You better believe it. Lastly, there is a Japanese company in my building, and I noticed how the Japanese males and females I encounter are very codified with their behavior. I pay close attention when they pass me in the hall, and especially... When they get on the elevator and many times I'm the only person on the elevator with three or more Japanese and they make absolutely no eye contact with me. They do not speak. They literally act as if I do not exist. I also noticed a I also noticed two to three times when a white person was on the elevator with me and the Japanese individuals, they ask the white person what floor they are going to and they make eye contact with them. I found it very interesting, and their behavior is very consistent from what I've seen. Conclusion of field notes. Uh, notes, No surprise there. Anti-blackness worldwide. Uh, second observation. Uh, I had quite a few, so I'm not going to read all of them at the beginning. Uh, I'll probably read one or two more, and then I'll just kind of sprinkle in the other Uh, notes that people wrote in as we go we've had some of our UK listeners shared workplace observations I had been thinking about how I could incorporate them into the program there's such a substantial uh, time difference they would either have to pre-record or we'd have to see if we have any uh, night owls as they say because it is uh, let's see if I can do my math really quick here Uh, so it's 1am Friday morning uh, for folks who would be listening, in, like in London, England, with the eight-hour time difference, so it would be hard for them to listen live. But uh, some of our U.K. listeners did dial in with workplace racism anecdotes, and I can pitch really quick. Our Global Sunday Talk on Racism is this Sunday, uh, 12 p.m. Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern. Uh, we will have callers joining in. I think we we'll even have some new uh, listeners from outside the states uh, who will be joining us to give their views on white supremacy racism. Dial in if you can tear yourself away from... The NFL season that is going on or whatever else is going down this coming Sunday. I think this might even be on the uh, autumn equinox, uh, but it'll be grand conversation. Uh, Observation number two. This is from uh, Thomas in New York. Maybe he'll be on the line to uh, give us update to what happened. I just witnessed something that was absolutely astonishing. As I told you, I was not being trained properly by the white receptionist. She would use a computer program to transfer calls, and she had me thumbing through papers until my black co-worker showed me a shortcut to transfer calls using the phone itself. I've been doing this every day for maybe a few months, and I'm pretty good and quick at transferring calls now using the phone. Using the phone has made my job easier. For example, they say the name, let's say, Gus Renegade. I put them on hold, press transfer, type in the first few letters of the person's Uh, of the person's first or last name using the telephone dial pad. Let's say I type in GU, then Gus Renegade will pop up, or I can type in REN, then Renegade Gus will pop up. Then I highlight the name and hit transfer. Whereas the computer program she uses is really stupid because in order to transfer the call, it takes too long to scroll through a screen of employee names in bubbles that are not in ABC order just to find Gus Renegade. She has the bubble locations memorized, so she likes that method. Today she left early. I came up to cover for her for the rest of the day. She logged off her computer so I can log in. She has a tendency to take her time when it is time for me to cover her break, which frustrates me because I have to stand there looking stupid until she decides she is ready to get up for me to sit down. She has to count her money, change her shoes to sandals, organize her papers, fix her hair and makeup, put on her sunglasses, etc., then give me a list of verbal instructions very loud so everyone can hear the same speech and instructions every day since I started. I think to give the impression that I am dumb, I would concur White's love to emphasize and demonstrate publicly to others that these are the dumbest nigger imbeciles in the galaxy and you have to talk to them like you're talking to a five-year-old. Continuing, I recently started to cut her off during her instructions by just saying as loud as her, but pleasant. Now, you know, I know that. Or did you forget you told me that yesterday to shut her up? Today, she was in a rush. So as soon as she saw me, she logged off so I can log in. But she took her sweet time to fix her makeup and pack her bag. And of course, I had to stand waiting for her. Then the phone rang. Her face said it all. She looked as confused as I did my first day. She answered the phone and had to transfer the call without her computer program. She stalled and tried to play it off as she tried to use my method of connecting the call with the phone, but she couldn't do it. She was hitting the wrong buttons and bringing up the wrong directory. Then she picked up the papers She gave me to use when I first started and I had problems using them even though now I use them every day to sort the mail so I have the papers down pack as well. In fact, I use them sometimes instead of the phone just to challenge myself. Another call came through at the same time and she put the person on hold that she couldn't connect and switched lines to answer the phone for the next caller. She greeted the person and immediately put them on hold then went back to the first caller to try to connect them to the person she was trying to find on the sheets. Every time she looked up for my help or assistance, I quickly looked the other way as if I was not paying her any attention, and I acted like I was distracted by something very important. It took her three minutes and 26 seconds, (laughs) he counted, to connect the first caller, and by the time she got back to the second caller whom she put on hold, they already hung up. I realized in that moment that this lady who has been with the firm for 23 years can't do her job without the program in her computer. She is really clueless. But what if that program is offline or not working one day? What will she do? So as I finally got my chance to log in and prepare myself to be stationary, as the receptionist for the rest of the day, she, instead of leaving in a rush, asked me to show her how to connect people using the phone. Um... Not me after the terrible training I got from her, which I guess was because she couldn't do it any other way. I told her I learned from the black co-worker that I can't explain it. I just do it. She should ask him. I said that because I know she hates him and would never ask him for help. I had to chuckle. Fascinating observation from Thomas. In New York, that has been an experience I think that has been shared repeatedly over the years when uh, whites have to break down and ask some Negro on the job to help them when they really don't understand, not when they're just trying to nag and annoy you practicing racism, wasting your time, uh, but when they really don't understand something and they need you to help them so that they can do whatever it is that they're trying to complete like that. Oh, man, to have to be earnestly ignorant, ignorant, and go to a nigra to help you out. Like, Oh man, whites, it's been my experience. And I think other people have concluded the same. They absolutely hate that. Uh, work to avoid that, uh, at all cost. Alrighty. I do have other workplace racism incidents that people wrote in, but I will table those. We'll sprinkle them in as we go. Uh, everyone who dialed in with a hand up line should be open. Uh, feel free to chime in again, remind folks, this is not a spectator program. I am very sure, with all the folks that we have listening, folks have observations, experiences, even if you're reflecting on your work history of things that have happened to you, how you responded, how you wish you had responded, if you had a better grasp of white supremacy, racism. This is not for spectators. Let us be active counter-racist participants as we deal with the area of activity, labor. Uh, all the folks who dialed in, lines should be open. Feel free to participate.
8: Yes, may I be heard? Yes, sir. The answer to the callers. So I went to Black Student Union last week and I'm gonna go again tomorrow. But um it's a pretty it's a amazing club. It's where when I went there it was mainly black people. Only the 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 only person that wasn't black was the principal and he was white, so he was there spectating the program. Uh and um so um yeah, so that happened. Uh we talked a lot about The first thing that came up was George Washington Carver, and, um, yeah, we're going to be doing a lot of stuff like that. We're going to try and take a lot of field trips, especially to this one African museum and explore that. Uh, I didn't go to Pride, because I feel like it's not for me. I should just stick to Blackstone Union, just to stay together as black people, rather than just have Pride with everybody, but, um, yeah, that's that about the club, um, I also, every time I walk home, I would notice that, um, on, on the street that I walk towards, I would notice that everybody I see is homeless and they're all black. Rarely any of them are white. And it's just, I just reflect on it every time just to know how messed up the world is and how they treat black people to where they have to sleep on the streets and do stuff like that. So it just really gets to me every single time I walk down that street and, um, yeah, that's all I had to share. Thank you for taking my
1: call. Our young scholar in the Bay Area, always grand to hear from him. Um, I think if people heard our segment last week on workplace racism, he shared about the two clubs at his uh, high school in Bay Area, California uh, the Black Student Union, that's supposed to be, I think, exclusively for black students, and then they have this uh, Pride group. Uh, and I, I mentioned last week, I said that at least in my experience, that name Pride nowadays tends to be associated with causes that are related to what they call gay rights or LGBT issues. Um, and I think that group, everybody can participate. You don't have to be black or non-white. Anybody, any students can uh, participate in that program, even though, if I remember correctly, the Pride group is also supposed to be focused on issues relating to racism. Um, is that correct, uh, sir?
8: Yes, that is correct.
1: Okay. Mine right on. Did you think that they were not going to do talk about racism in that group, or was it just you thought, hey, I'd rather be in the group that's exclusively for black people, and I just don't need to be in the other one?
8: Well, I figured that they would be talking about racism and everything, especially that's going on in school that we don't know about. So that's another reason why I chose Black Student Union.
1: Hmm. The comment about the. Uh, Transients, Homeless people, as they say. Um, for people, the Bay Area doesn't have uh, an explosive population of black people. It is not like Atlanta or Philadelphia, uh, Alabama, places, states, and or cities that have large populations of black people. There are black people there. It's not, you know, Iowa or something. But, I mean, they do not have a huge population of black people so it you know just further evidence of white supremacy that you have a higher concentration of black people that are in that position where they have no house and are just you know in a destitute position uh the last question i was just going to ask what specifically were you all focused on in the black student union about uh george washington carver well
8: uh that was our introduction question uh just to wake up everybody up but um uh, it, what was discussed was that George Washington Carver, um, he's the person that invented, um, cleanup editor, that's the main thing they say, but, um, I would have went on and said that, um, I, he, I think he went to Tuskegee University, um, he had a effeminated voice, and, um, because he was castrated as uh, a child, and he was also, uh, a slave, basically. That's what we talked.
1: That's mostly talked about about George Washington Carver. They brought up the castration thing, or were you saying that was just information? No, Oh, what, okay. Yeah, no, they didn't bring up that. I was about to be astounded, but that is, as I said, uh, young scholar uh, being informed. I suspect there are a lot of older Black people who uh, do not. Uh, have that information about George Washington Carver, who they generally only bring up uh, when it's February. Um, But that is outstanding. I hope you can continue to uh, participate and maybe even uh, bring up some of that information. I think George Washington Carver, he should also get credit. He saved white folks like big time when the boll weevil was wreaking havoc on crops. This is a pest. Uh, It was wreaking havoc on crops in the 20th century, and he figured out a way to uh, minimize the damage that they were doing to crops, so that uh, farmers would not lose their money. Like that was pretty huge as well. I think one of our previous uh, guests said he should have won a Nobel Prize uh, for his effort with that, and some of the many other things that he did. But generally, he just gets condensed down to uh, the peanut. And right, we leave out you know all the other stuff. Him being castrated first and foremost, we certainly are not going to uh, to discuss. Um, outstanding. Thank you for the contrib- uh, contribution, sir. Definitely. Keep us, keep us posted. What's going on in the black student union group, what's happening uh, at school, just any observations that you have. That is, that is your job going to school and, and being a brilliant scholar. Keep up the outstanding work, sir. Thank you, uh, may I be Eric?
9: Yes, sir. Uh, just real quick on that last note from the last call. I also believe, I may be wrong, but I also believe that George Washington Carver, um, may have been friends with um Henry Ford and had a hand in, in building the first um the first automobile plant that the, the Model T was uh the assembly line for the Model T if I'm uh, thinking correctly. But anyway, um well greetings uh to Gus, you, all the callers and listeners. Um this is Ori here in Dallas. Uh first off I wanted to say that uh i enjoyed the the sound clips in the beginning uh, especially the one about the elevator that is exactly how i get on the elevator every single morning um you know if anyone's on there i I greet them uh don't say anything i turn around and wait till i get to my floor and i exit and when i exit i tell them you know have a nice day um also you know you mentioned the eel seats and that just reminded me of um i used to work in warehouse back in the day uh there was an old white lady who used to uh say she was always gonna complain to the EEOC about the company and she she was going about that all the time. Um, as for me, um everything seems to seems to be going fine uh on my plantation, uh but not for other non white employees. Um I had two incidents this week. Um one was I was approached by a non-white black female about um i guess time management if you will call it that um her apparently her supervisor has been getting on to about her time and when we say time i mean like you know being one minute late or two minutes late um so what i told her to do was uh to document and and we were looking at documentation um one thing I, I told her to do was that um since where I work at we work in office buildings and they have a parking garage on the side. And so every morning with our our little parking cars, we have to, you know, swipe in to, to let us in. And so I told her she can go and actually get that, uh, all the time that she's, you know, checked into the parking garage and checked out. And she can get all of that time printed out on a sheet of paper for And she can keep that just in case, you know, that, um, situation never comes up again and she can actually show, you know, she was here at, you know, this time or whatever, but, you know, being a a black person, especially in the corporate world, you you know, we're always held to a different standard than our our white counterparts. So, um, well, my next uh, situation was also earlier this week, a non-white black male lost his job. And I kind of knew the guy, I mean, I didn't talk to him a lot, but, um, Fun thing was, I was standing in line getting, uh, in, getting ready to get lunch. And for some reason, all my workplace racisms, you know, happened when I'm standing in line. I was the guy who emailed last week about the uh, the white female trying to touch my beard. And um, I was going to say, oh, so I was standing in line and there was a black uh, female behind me. And she kept me on my shoulder and she was like, you know, so-and-so lost his job, right? And I told her, no, I didn't hear that. And um, she went on to, to tell me about, you know, why he lost his job. And apparently it was because he was spending too much time away from uh, his desk when I guess he was supposed to have been in his desk. And so she was telling me all that stuff. Then she started saying, you know, he may have been spending time with uh, apparently this a, a white girl that works there. And immediately when she started going to that, I don't – I don't get into, uh, you know, the gossip and everything. I immediately cut it off. And I don't, I'm not rude. I don't say, you know, stop talking or whatever, but I find a way to get out of the situation. So, you know, I told her like, oh man, I got to go make this phone call. or Oh, you know, I had to step away to go see what they were having in the the lunch line. So, but that was about it. Um, I'm eager to hear what everyone else has going on. And I'll meet my line for right now.
1: Interesting. Can we heard? Yes, sir. Oh, no, go ahead, go ahead, guys. I I wait wait till you do I'd like to hear your commentary. I, I was only gonna say I thought that was a great uh suggestion, uh, with the first situation that you talked about and uh encouraging your uh, coworker to uh, get the documentation for when she checks in, that you can get a log of, you know, when she comes into when she's drives to the facility and all that just so that if there's any sort of Challenge or discrepancy about when she arrived, and folks are trying to say that she was late uh, that you know we could get it exact. whites have all this you know great newfangled technology, so let's just you know see what the printout says. Uh, I thought that was great, uh, and also might even be uh, constructive just in terms of equal enforcement of policy is everyone being held to the same standard. I know in some places they have uh, a grace period uh, where you can be mm-hmm. five minutes late or whatever it, you know, discretion discretion uh so that would be something uh as well uh with the second uh situation uh that's another one uh those white chicks on the job uh just and just in general i I state you know exactly what you said uh when you were being informed that this black male unfortunately lost his job and perhaps because he was you know spending too much time with this white woman away from his desk um in terms of just being serious on the job whites really pay attention uh, to that sort of thing, uh, particularly if it's just that di- if particularly if it's that sort of dynamic or it's a black male, white woman, and it looks like you all are frolicking a little too much or you're getting along a little too well like that just can go bad in a variety uh, of ways and just in general, get a get a reputation for being serious. As you said, I'm not a kid to gossip. I'm not here to hear what everybody did on their weekend and you know, who got a new outfit or who got a new car, who's getting divorced, who's cheating on so-and-so I'm here to do my job. Let's just, you know, be about our work, speak to, as you said, Hey, good morning, Helen. Good morning, Sue. Good evening. Let's just be about our business and get a reputation for functioning that way on the job. I think that always works in your favor as a black person, victim of racism. Uh, Roz, you were going to comment as well, sir.
10: Yes. I um, I had. Two things. First, I had a question for the um, the high school student on the West Coast. I wanted to know if the Pride organization um, also includes uh, LGBTQ uh, people in that group.
1: Uh, he might have been disconnected. Uh, if oh, okay. we can uh, get him to ring back, we'll answer. If not, we'll make sure to table and ask him when he dials back in.
10: No problem. And the other thing I thought about um, this the situation that uh, Thomas in New York wrote in about, and that's something that I've noticed as a pattern with white people now, um, is that I think just from just from my research and from what I've seen that they white people spend their lives trying to uh, practice deception in all over the place, like in all areas of activity, and the biggest deception is that they're smart. I really don't think they're smarter than anyone that's non-white. What I've always thought about them is that they're more cunning. And what they find is a way to utilize non-white people who they've brutalized into submission and brutalized into a submissive situation in the system of white supremacy. They have made us them. And the, the, the thing that people would say would make them genius is the fact that they realize that they are stupid. And what they've done it they've convinced the rest of the world the other what 95 percent of non-white people to do things that they can't do for themselves and what thomas experienced on the job was just that situation where she you know mistreated him did not train him properly and then now all of these months later he's finding out she really doesn't know how to do her job and i've seen that on every job that i've worked where white people will walk around and they'll either tout their degrees or even lie and say that they have degrees they don't have and then when you when you get to the nitty gritty, and you ta- you know you see them in a particular situation where they don't know what they're doing, then all the cards get laid on the table, and they actually expose themselves as actually being not intelligent at all. And um, like I said, I just think that Thomas in that situation got a nice example of that. Where to me, it's just that they think ahead in the sense of being cunning and because non-white people don't function in that manner, that's where they have us beat. but it has nothing to do with intelligence. Um, as far as them being more intelligent than us, what they've done is made us stupid. This, like you've always said, and I I agree with you, this system is designed to make non-white people stupid. And then what they do is they obfuscate the facts and then blame the victim for being stupid when that's what they basically wanted to do from day one. And that's what they facilitated. Thank
1: you. Other folks have uh, commentary uh, related to workplace racism. If you have questions about some of the uh, different scenarios that we've heard thus far, or if you have your own uh, situation that you would like to present, feel free. Can I be heard? Yes, sir. Good evening, Mr. Hall. I'm from New York. Alone. I had uh, just a comment for the
11: gentleman, a young guy. Uh, uh, I'm glad he knew that. I didn't learn that until I was in the Delk at, um. George Washington Carver was fascinated. I wish I knew that in school. Oh, I mean, I would have thrown that out there so fast. Very important to um bring that stuff up that they don't want us to talk about. And I hope you um definitely do continue to do that at that meeting. Um, I just wanted to say, um, thank you for reading my story. I thought that was um I thought it was hilarious. And um, nothing else transpired behind that or she didn't come in, you know, the next time and
6: ask me anything. It
11: just kinda of fizzled out. Um, what I've noticed, I've made an observation over two people at my workplace, a white male and a white female. And yeah, I've noticed that they have a, both of them have come to my coworker and asked, um, you know, Is something wrong with Thomas that's not like me? And I've concluded that, you know, I've noticed this from a trend from both of them that they both, um, they both seek, um, I don't want to, how can I word it? They like to validate black people with their whiteness and I won't let them do it to me. And, um, that, that's really what's irking them. Um, this white female, you know, she, um, I was working there a few months and, you know, I say hi to her, you know, and her whole department guys as I go past. And, you know, Everything I thought was cool. And then she would come through the, the room that, you know, uh, where we worked out of. And um, she played me a little close. Um, she started telling me, oh, you know, I started here working in the, the mill room, and, and, you know, now I'm an executive, and da 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 You know, I'm like, oh, that's great. No cut it short, get back to work. Anytime she tries to have a conversation with me, I, you know, answer her very, you know, courteously, but I get that to work. I don't want to stand there and have a conversation with her, you know, and that's what's irking her. And the gentleman I work with, you know, he he gives her that ability to validate him, you know, because he, he's looking for white validation always, really, you know. If they tap him on the head, he's happy. So, you know, the fact that she stands there and talks to him and, you know, so I've also noticed from this white male, who also said, you know, I don't know, this all the time. he doesn't like me. He he um also likes to validate this blackmail too. And I won't let him do it to me. So um he'll come in and he'll he's an Italian, you know, they trying to talk like they're, you know, kinda of tough, you know, hey, what's up? Well, how's it going? You know, hey, how's it going? And I walk right out the room. I don't want to stand in there and talk to you. Um, and that's driving him crazy. So he's come around several times trying to spark a conversation um, generally when I'm talking to the black male and we might be speaking about something, be it work related or not, he'll interject himself into the conversation and start talking to the black male, maybe about baseball or football or whatever. And me, I just walk away, you know? So, Hey Thomas, you know, you don't like um, football. Oh yeah, I watch football. Oh, you know, who's your team? Oh, my team sucks. I just walk away. I don't have, I'm, I'm not looking to, I see this game. I don't want to. You know, I I don't know how to put it. I just see it, and I feel it. And the fact that he came to me um, on Tuesday and told me that both of those people um, came to him and said something, it lets me know that uh, what I'm doing is working because I just, I don't know, it's like a sixth sense, I felt it, and I said, oh, this person here, they're looking for some type of, you know, they're they're looking for someone to paddle in the head. I'm not going to be that person, you know, and I, wasn't that person and they can't stand it. I I could just feel it. So I look at that as a victory. Um also another thing that's happened, um, a white female, the one that's always saying racist things, um, she comes to me, she lives in um uh, Weehawken, New Jersey. Weehawken's a small city, um in Jersey, I mean, Hussein Boat could run through it in twenty seconds. It's real small. Um, it's right on the waterfront. So the waterfront property is very exclusive, but you know, I mean, it's, it's pretty much a, a city with rich white people and poor white people. Half of it's rich, half of it's poor. She's on the poor side. So she's telling me about this uh, neighbor of hers who, when Sandy Hill hurricane or that superstorm wasn't even a hurricane Sandy. I mean, this is white people's claim the fame. Oh, right. she tells me Sandy, was like, um, hit us like Katrina. I said, oh, wait a minute. Now, I usually don't give her a pushback, but, you know, that was like, wait, y'all had to sit on your hooves for five days? Oh, no, 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 not like that. But, you know, I had about three feet of water. I said, wait a minute. Those people were underwater. Their house was underwater, and they got shot at when they tried to get to safety. Um, did anyone shoot at you? She said, I'm not meeting it like that. So she kind of dead that conversation because I wasn't going for that. Then she um, comes to me talking about her neighbor who um, his house was flooded and he didn't upkeep his house that good and it was attached to hers. And she's been going through all these laws and things trying to get him his house torn down. And um, then finally it wore went through. So I just thought to ask her, uh, and I stopped and said, hey, was this a black guy? Oh, yeah, he was this black guy, you know, and he had about seven or eight kids and, you know, his wife, and they didn't keep keep the laws, and the dog would be in the front yard. And that was all I had to hear because I, I already knew that's why she did it,
12: and I'm in my line Fascinating.
1: Fascinating. That is, uh, in my opinion, uh great effort if, like I say, frequently on the program you know if a white person if they're making some sort of tacky commentary like saying you know we went through Katrina here with Superstorm Sandy I think that was 2012 uh where they let a black mother uh let her children drown it didn't help her but anywho um when they start doing that sort of thing or she's talking about Trump a lot of times nothing need be said uh, but if you do want to comment, uh, it is always advised uh, to see if you can make your response, if you can put it in the form uh, of a question, uh, to just ask questions to see if what she said is valid. Uh, and it seems like just doing that, asking questions uh, to see if her, meta- and once again, employing a metaphor uh, to say, uh, to express herself. So i stated that consistently. Whites do that. I think that that is a deliberate act. Uh, of racism, white supremacy, every time, and they do that sort of thing constantly, but just asking questions uh, to get through I think the first part of your commentary where you were talking about one of the ways that white people practice racism, I think more covertly, uh, typically in workplace situations, uh, when they want to talk to you and see that, oh yes, you know this this nigra is elated uh, that i'm talking to them, and they feel that I have given them some sort of validation they feel better just having uh my you know me as an individual white come in and, and act like i'm concerned or want to hear what they have to say or uh want to talk to that even that goes back to the sound clip we started with with mr fuller where he was talking about how how uh white people in general do not want to talk to black people unless they come and they want to talk about something i think right in the order he said weather sports uh, and then it will go something tacky trashy that sort of thing typically Um, That that's what you're going to uh, experience uh, and that our typical response, our typical victimized response is to go along and entertain and giggle and that sort of thing. I think they just absolutely adore that form of racism, white supremacy, particularly when they can see that we are not suspicious of them. We do not think of them. Uh, is racist that they can just come and you know whenever they want to mess around for five minutes and make fun because a lot of times they get to slip in some little jokes and what have you if it 's not about you, some other black people, that sort of thing they can have their little fun for five minutes be entertained uh, by the negroes and then they can go back to you know whatever they generally are doing uh, and I think we 've had a lot of callers down through the years when we talked about workplace racism uh when they resist that and i'm not trying to go hang out with you no i don't want to talk about what we did for the weekend no i don't want to hear about your troubles no i don't want to go out for lunch or you know drinks later on or any of that it's whoa what's up man you don't you don't like me did i do something that typical type of response and just you know hey man let's let's get to work it's not about disliking anybody let's just get our job done what we came to get done and and again i say all the time to make sure that you're not getting construed as being aloof, because that's the way that they like to take it in that sort of situation. Like, man, that Thomas, I try to talk, try talk, you know, the Giants started off great, and that Odell Beckham, and blah, 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 and, you know, I don't know what's wrong with them. They try and make it that you're not a team player, so that can be an excuse to get rid of you. I'm not aloof, I think, as our, our caller shared in Dallas. Uh, speak, <coughs> excuse me, speak to everybody. Speak when you get on the elevator. Speak when you come into the building. Make sure that you see, hey. What's good, and then if we are going to converse, make sure that we can redirect the conversation back to we're talking about job related things, not just foolishness we're not gossiping work related things and especially if you can work it so that you are learning things that are important to you so you can do your job better and or you're just learning more information about the company people that you work with things that are going to happen in the future just to make sure that hey what are you talking about i talked to john i talked to susan i talked to helen we talk all the time they just gave me some great information about the new project coming down the parking lot is going to be repaved it's great what do you do let's get back to work uh, other folks uh, have commentary that they want to share questions from what uh, we've heard from callers, or if you have your own thoughts, if anything is not, uh, you don't understand. If you have questions, feel free. But,
11: uh, one more thing, Gus. Um, mm-hmm. The white female, the white female that um, I felt like was trying to make a cowbell situation. And And
2: on um, my home yesterday
11: give me a call. hey, just wanted to know how you were doing and, and I said, oh my God, I can't believe this why would you call like you know I didn't say that to her you know but I'm just thinking to myself, oh you know this is just chacky white female behavior you know I got off that phone so fast, oh I'm busy right now gotta gotta go. um the boss has called me
1: uh uh-uh. uh you on Job well done, job well done. Uh, other folks who dialed in, uh, who, if you have your own situation, uh, that you want to share, or if you have, uh, questions, observations, uh, of your own, uh, or, uh, excuse me, questions, observations about things that you've heard, uh, from callers already, uh, feel free to dial in. Everyone who has a hand up should be with us.
12: Hello?
1: You are a little, you're a little low, ma'am. If you could speak up.
3: Hello?
1: that is much better
3: okay thanks um okay first i want to ask um i i also had no idea that george washington carver had been castrated as a child but what i want to know is if anyone is aware i mean i mean was his penis taken off or was his testicles i don't mean to be gross but i'm just trying to understand does anyone know
1: I think it was the testicles. Uh, I could be an error, but I think it was the testicles. My understanding, he uh, lived with a white family when he was uh, a child, uh, and there were white Mm -hmm. women present, uh, and so to, uh, not even a pun, but to nip that in the bud, uh, they went ahead and mutilated him at a very, very young age. I think there were even uh, rumors, because as our brilliant young scholar in the Bay Area said, uh, his... Voice was kind of, uh, was a little bit high. People were saying he was uh, feminine, even some rumor in you know that uh, he might have been engaged in anti-sexual or homosexual behavior, but it was because he had been mutilated as a child. As I understand it, I could be in error, but I believe we have talked about this uh, before uh, I can get you the exact program back in 2011. Okay, I'd
3: yeah, love yeah, to hear that. Uh-huh. Can I be heard?
1: Uh, I heard several folks. Uh, I don't know if they were you responding to the inquiry about uh, George Washington Carver.
9: I, I was okay. Yeah, I, I was just going to say, it was his testicle, uh, and I believe they the the family took him off because they had a daughter, and uh, they didn't want him to to rape the the daughter of the family. And I don't believe he was any uh into any anti sexual behavior. But his voice everyone perceived that he was because of it, uh his voice was so high pitched. So that's that's all I wanted to say.
1: <laughs> yep, that's about what I thought I had heard. Uh did and hope if that answered the question. Anybody anything else they wanted to add, uh George Washington? Age Carpenter. eleven. Age eleven. Age eleven, right on. We really should do uh, a book study session on George Washington Carver because he is a fascinating individual uh, to study. Uh, I think a lot of us should know a lot more about him other than just, oh, yes, Peanuts, George Washington Carver, Peanuts. Um, but, yeah, we should, we should make, that, uh, make time for that down the road. Anything else, George Washington Carver?
10: I just wanted to make a correlation between what was done to him as far as his castration and um, a documentary I saw on uh, black Germans where they did the same thing, like systemically. Um, once the black German males had reached uh, usually like 14 or 15 years old, they would automatically take them from their parents' house in the early morning hours between 4 and 5 a.m. But And with no anesthesia, castrate them as well. So I just found that to be an interesting correlation. Thank you.
1: Uh, if you want to hear more uh, about George Washington Carver, Dr. Yomo Mutegi, uh, this was September 26, 2011. He was This was his second visit to the context of white supremacy, and we spent a considerable portion of that dialogue giving more information about uh, George Washington Carver, the information I said earlier about the boll weevil. Uh, Dr. Mutegi said that he should have won a Nobel Prize because this was, like, Majorly important uh, what he did in uh, decreasing the damage that boll weevils were doing to crops uh, in the early 20th century. We talked about his relationship with Henry Ford. Ford wanted him to come and work. I think he had the same uh, theory that uh, he was involved in the even the name it being called a plant uh this someone who is widely regarded as just being astronomically brilliant uh with uh crops and agriculture uh and the castration that took place as well but dr uh, yoma mutegi lots of great details about george washington carver uh september 26 2011 uh the female car i thought was that your only inquiry or did you have another question that you were going to ask as well
3: uh, yeah thank you everyone that responded. Um um yeah and then the second thing i wanted to say was it's kind of similar to what Thomas in New York uh, was explaining. Um i at my workplace um i i just limit my speech to whites to just um good morning and goodbye and if the, they have any work related or business related questions i answer them. Now whenever I'm speaking to a black person um that is codified because I do have a, a black coworker who's very codified and uh so we we talk about different things whenever a white person comes around I I I try not to uh look anxious or anything but my goal is to leave immediately And so I'll tell the person, okay, Tiffany, I'll just talk to you, you know, later. And I walk on. And I think the whites have caught on to that now. Um, And so I remember the, I'll just say her, a fictitious name, Tiffany. I remember Tiffany telling me, oh, well, they now uh, notice that when you, like you just all of a sudden abruptly stop the conversation when they come by. Uh, because normally when they come by, it's not work related. They're just trying to get in our small circle to talk. Um, but, uh, she says that sometimes they'll, I don't know, motion their hands like, wow, what did I do? <laughs> you know? And, and, uh, and I we just laugh about that. So, so that's how I cope at work in dealing with white people, especially with, you know, when it's not anything work related. Um, and so like I said they've they've noticed that I'm I'm very codified in that manner. So that I don't know if that may work for someone but it does work for me. Okay. Thank you.
1: Awesome. Always important to keep that, you know, in the forefront of your mind uh that whites uh they are extremely alert and mindful about their negros and changes in our behavior they take note of that immediately and generally that sort of thing is networked conferences and they go off and you know have dialogue with other uh race soldiers like oh man you know that, that thomas you know he they are over there talking in the corner. And every time I come around, stop talking. You know, I'm trying to hear what they're talking about. They do this all the time. Like, man, who's this nigger think That sort of thing happens on a regular basis, wherever you happen to be at on the plantation. Um, as I'm rolling, people are emailing, so I'm making sure I don't get caught like I did last week with people emailing stuff, and we get to the end, and then I haven't shared, so I'm going to try to weave these in as we go. Uh, so email, next email, someone wrote in. Uh, a white female sent this email to the entire workplace and it was not her place to send the email. She is not the director nor is she the supervisor of the contractors. This is a workplace where there are about 190 whites with only five black people in total. The black employees are all females, no black males. There are no black employees in this white females department. So check out her email. Scrolling forward. This is the email. Just a friendly notice that we will be having some, unfamiliar faces on the fourth floor tomorrow due to some construction work in the physics department office area. I'm not sure how long they will be with us, but just in case anyone is curious about the new faces. Thanks security threat. They might have them castrated just to, you know, make sure that all the uh, white females are safe in the workplace. Uh, One down. We have a few more to go, but I'll save those for later. Uh, other folks uh, have commentary that they would like to share. If we haven't heard from you, definitely speak up. If you have questions about what has been shared thus far, that's fine. If you have your own situation, feel free as well. Yes, sir. Can I be heard? Yes, sir. Uh, greetings
2: to the callers, Gus. Um, you were just speaking about the uh, the fact that, uh, you know, about being aloof and, how they'll start, you know, kind of like ostracizing you and saying, you know, he's antisocial and so forth. But how do you? I just want the caller your opinion on how do you deal with the situation where it's more of a um, like I had an actual uh, non-white person, you know, that's been there for years, and he says, you know, you know, all you have to do is just, you know, go, you know, sit with them and you know, get to know them and Basically, let them in your business, but that's just not my style but it's when it's when it's a fraternal type um of of environment how do you how do you get past that because that can really hinder you as far as um if you need help with information or you know job training or even um you know moving up in the company I mean that can kind of hinder you. And the way you explained it kind of was cut and dry, but it's not always that way. How do you deal with it when it's like a fraternal-type situation and uh, you have to get in and fit in? And that's just not me, but how do you overcome that situation?
1: Just so that I understand correctly, when you say fraternal-type situation, uh, does that mean um, I'm... You can just correct me if I'm wrong, my understanding, but is this the sort of environment where it's a lot of talking to people on a first name basis uh, and hanging out after work or uh, away from the office? Whether we're going to lunch or dinner or parties, that sort of thing, uh, hanging out during lunch, we all eat together. That is that the type of environment that you're talking about?
2: Um, no, sir, not at all. Okay. I mean,
1: as far as the lunch situation, the lunch mm-hmm. situation,
2: yes, but it's like you know, you have to get in where you fit in, and, you know, I'm, of course, I'm one of two uh, black people on the job, and it's like, you know, I'm already under the microscope, but it's just, I mean, not, not necessarily like the, like the police, kind of, uh, like the blue line or whatever they call it, um, you know, that, that fraternal, like, you know, you, you got to stand with us, we stand as a brotherhood type situation, but I don't stand with them like that. I just want to come do my job. And if I need some assistance in doing that, I, you know, would hope that you would help me along. But if you're not in, so to speak, I mean, you may not get that assistance. And I'm just wondering how to deal with that type of situation.
1: Uh, just a little bit more help with, at least for me, would be uh, appreciated in terms of when you say get in where you fit in or it's like a police Blue line type of a thing, like if you don't have to divulge anything that's gonna, you know, identify where you work with or where you work or who you work with, but just in terms of uh, the types of things that you're talking about that are expected of you when you say get in, where you fit in, a brotherhood, types of things that you're expected to do uh, to show that you you're in, you're with us.
2: Basically, let
1: you in our let let
2: them in my business um i I work in a in a auto shop it's like a diesel mechanic shop mm. and there's not many of us that does that in my area and I'm pretty much the only one out there doing it and A lot of these guys have been there for years and they have developed the camaraderie and In order for you to get in that circle, so to speak, you have to comply and i can't I can't comply. Compli- and
1: wonder- what are the, what are some of the things that, is it just, you're not willing to comply with regards to sharing details about yourself? Like just talking about, yeah. Okay. Okay. Yes. My personal
2: life or, mm. you know, my political views or, you know, whatever it could be. But I mean, I'm, I'm that person. That I'm always, oh, Hey, good morning. How you doing? But you know, as far as uh, sitting down in the break room, eating lunch with them and no, I don't do that. I go to my car. I sit in my car and eat, and, you know, I kind of stay out the way. And it seems like that's, I'm, I'm standoffish to them because of that, because I don't sit down in the break room with them on lunch.
1: and um, Like I don't want to be a part of the team, so to speak. Got you kind of understand what I'm saying? I have a better grasp now. Thank you for take, being patient with me and taking time to explain. <laughs> I have a better grasp now. Thank you, sir. Um, my number one I can plug our book club because this is going to come up exa- and I mean like explicitly uh, in the book we are starting tomorrow the spook who sat by the door uh, Sam Greenlee but he addresses this explicitly and it's going to come up tomorrow I believe in the first audio segment so you can tune in and hear how he deals with this uh, even though this is fiction but I think a lot of this would apply I think a lot of this would even uh, you could put it right into workplace racism and it would it would be great um And those ty- and I think we've even i think our our black female caller in Michigan she talked about this where she felt that talked about with Thomas before about where you deny white that validation you 're not willing to be an open book as they say, and just chat it up and go hang out with them and go sit in the break room and talk about you know your whole life story uh that time where you 're not willing to do that, and she said that she felt that may have been a contributing factor uh to uh her. Hmm being let go in a former place of employment and we were talking this was maybe a year or so ago um, we were talking about how would you codify to minimize if you recognize that you're in one of those workplace situations or if people are saying you know hey you you're not a team player you know you're not a part of our fraternity uh it seems like you you don't like us you don't want to be around us that sort of thing um ways to mitigate that i think with her their situation, they would go out to like lunch or go out for drinks or whatever, that sort of thing. I think we hit maybe codified, maybe you go out once a month. Uh, Maybe you, if they eat in-house, they don't go out to lunch uh, per se. They just eat if there's a cafeteria there or wherever. There's a break room and people all get together. You eat there once a month That way, they can't say that you never come, but you don't make this a a daily thing. And if anyone asks, uh, you can just, "Hey, I got a lot of work to do. I'm just real comfortable just working at my desk." I normally am not. I'm normally not even a lunch person at all. Uh, If I do eat something, I just try to stay on task and make sure I'm getting stuff done. I really, you know, I'm concerned about making sure that I'm not getting behind that sort of thing. Although, if you're working on cars, that's probably not going to be feasible to say that you uh, you eat at your desk or what have you. But you said, I think you said you eat in your car. Uh, I would say maybe go once. You could do once a week uh, and go eat with them, uh, and just chalk that up. This is the sort of thing. This is part of the job. That's the way that I would look at it. This is a part of the job. I go eat with them once out of the five days a week, or how many every days uh, per week that you work. Uh, the one time that you do go, I would even think in advance. Uh, these are things that I'm not willing to talk about. I'm not willing to talk about, you know, if you have children or if you're, I don't know, you know, are, I'm not willing to talk about these things. Uh, I can ask questions and or talk about these things. And I would even make a list, maybe take 10 minutes, uh, about things that you would be willing to talk about, uh, workplace related things. I would even try and pile my list up with lots of things dealing with the job. Like we can sit around and talk about this, man, do you remember that car that we had to work on back then? Woo. That was a toughie. What do you think about that? This new, you know, piece of technology. What do you think about that, Bob? Man, that's going to be crazy. What do you think our sales are going to look like? I would have a big list of subjects that are related to the job where we can sit around and act like we are best friends in the whole wide world and we can sit around and laugh and joke and ha ha hee hee all that and i'm not having to talk about me personally uh if you want to think of some things that you would be willing to talk about or where your personal boundary is if you're willing i don't know if you grew up in that area if they know that sort of information whatever you're willing to share if there's some spots in your geographic location that are well-known restaurants that people like, I know that's something people always enjoy talking about good places to go out and eat. What do you think about this spot? Oh, have you been over there? Oh, have you tried that? Man, that was awesome. I went over there, blah, 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 just silly things. And again, this is just, I would chalk all of this up. This is a part of my duty for being on this job. I have to go and talk to the race soldiers, uh, one day a week, I go in to do lunch with them and then I already have my list of (laughs) topics that I'm going to, I mean, I'm serious. I'm being totally serious. That's the way. Deflection, deflection, deflection. And I would try to ask a lot of questions that way. They are hearing you talk. You are participating but you're not revealing as much I don't know if these folks uh, if they talk about things that are happening in the news but that's another one where you could ask questions oh did you see at wherever wherever you are in the world oh did you see you know such and such uh, they're having a problem uh, with the bridge down there oh did you see the big scandal that happened at the school like oh my god they got you know a child molester at the school did you see that that's crazy like oh my god and just see you know what they're talking about uh, on that that way you get to ask questions you get to hear their view if they ask particularly if they ask something about the presidential race oh I don't really know. I saw you know Donald Trump said such and such, but you know, I haven't really been keeping, you know, too many tabs on it. I'm I'm just not too sure. I'm gonna still have to think. I'm not really certain about who I'm gonna vote for. What do you think? What do you think about what he said? I would just get really, really good at being able to ask questions, whatever response you want to give, make it concise and already, like I said, have in line what your personal boundary is in terms of what you're willing to divulge which you're not willing to divulge, uh, that's kind of the way that I would go about approaching it. And, again, making sure I speak, I chat, all that, speak with everybody, call them on a first-name basis, you know, make sure that they hear my voice on a regular basis, but just I'm not into, you know, going over my whole family history and my fears and desires, dreams. Well, I'm not going to gonna do all that. If that, is, if that makes sense, folks can let me know if it doesn't <laughs> yes, make sense. Sir. Okay. Other folks have suggestions? Thank you very much. For sure. Yeah. I'll, uh, go
13: ahead, Bob.
10: Oh, I was—I was going to say—um, some of the difficult things that you said you might need help with. Those are the questions I would ask them about. Things that you might have encountered that you think they might not help you with. In those moments, those are the things to bring up. So that way, if you encounter those difficulties down the road, you already got the information that you need to facilitate some sort of resolution. Thank you.
14: Thank you, Ross. Uh, I was to say, oh, go
9: ahead. Oh, no, no, you go. Ahead. I, I go after you. Yeah,
14: I was gonna
11: say, um, you know, life sometimes it you. Life sometimes just at practice deception. You know, sometimes um, it's codified the practice deception for us. Um, so let's, let's make up some stuff. You know, hey, you want to give him a story? Hey, you want to talk to the black guy? Give him a story. Let them hear it. You know, I mean um. I mean, it, hey, they practice deception all day. Just them coming to ask you, how, hey, what's going on? That's practice and deception. They don't care. So do the same thing. Make up something, you know? Make your life story as great as you want it to be.
12: Come on. That's
9: why i love listening to you, man. I'm sorry. I was going to say... I'm sorry, man. Uh, I was going to say... <laughs> <I was laughs> Unfortunately, you know I've concluded that you know um, you know white people are not our friends. I say unfortunately, but they are not our friends. Um, and again, unfortunately, we can't do what they do. And so, with me, I would have to say, you know, you have to let your work speak for you, because you know even if you do divulge all the information that they want you know, if something shall go down, you will be the first one they throw off the ship. And, you know, that's all I can say. So if you do have aspirations you know, are moving up, you just have to let your work show for you. Mm. Just make- Oh, and I, and I was going to say, because they do respect money. That's what they do respect. They don't respect the fact that you have, you know, a wife or kids or whatever. They respect
1: okay. money. And if you're making the money, you know. They respect that. Mm. just the the one quick comment that I was going to give it on the uh deception thing, and folks have mentioned that before as a as a strategy as well to just make up some details that you can give them or what have you. I just say this because I know uh I am not the most intelligent person on the planet. My puny Negro brain, uh, I could easily see, particularly if you catch me on a day where I didn't maybe get as much rest as I like or I'm, you know, not feeling very well uh, and I have made up, you know, some narrative (laughs) about whatever. Uh, And then they ask and say, oh, man, remember that time when you were on the high school football team? Like, what are you talking about? Oh, oh, yes, yes, (laughs) I have to uh, keep track. I'm very – uh just my code, I try to be as low maintenance uh as possible so I don't have to remember and keep up with uh any of the deceptions. So I would try to make them uh manageable things so that you don't, you know, end up confusing yourself. I know that's just a concern I have being, you know, a retarded victim of white supremacy. Yeah, I didn't mean that kind of greatness. I mean uh I'm black. I mean I had a
11: dad bro, man, I grew up in the the hood. Oof. People getting shot every day. Tell them what they want to hear. It would be the story of their life. You know what I'm saying? That's what they buy JV albums for. That's what they do for. To hear that. Give it to them. Hey, they'll leave you alone. Trust me. I see. I mean, my wife. You could be right, though, guys. I could be wrong. Uh, Other folks
1: have other other suggestions uh recommendations uh or if you have your own personal uh incident of racism white supremacy uh on the job that you would like to share feel free uh the number to dial again is 641-715-3640 and the code is 564943 pound press star six if you would like to participate? Please do not wait till the last minute. That does uh, that is high on my list of bothersome things. Not as high as racist man, racist woman, racist child, but it is uh, it is up there. Uh, people waiting until the last two minutes of the broadcast to call in and decide they have something that they want to share. Um, getting back to the emails, a uh, person wrote in. Uh, this is difficulties with other victims of racism on the job, which is a consistent problem that many of us deal with. Uh, So a person wrote in, I have a friend who is a black male teacher, and he works with a confused black male teaching assistant. His teaching assistant is not codified at all. He hangs out with white coworkers after work hours, and he is known for hitting on women in the school. I think that's a cowbell, but he didn't specify. Lately, his antics have been affecting my friend. He takes his lunch break and sometimes doesn't come back to work expecting my friend to cover for him. The teaching assistant is also working on his master's degree. On many occasions, the assistant is attempting to do his job while he is at his laptop, uh, while he has his laptop out completing his homework assignments. My friend has spoken to him privately about his lack of professionalism, but his behavior remains the same. This is getting out of hand, and my friend is thinking about asking the principal to change his teaching assistant. I told him not to react emotionally to the things the teaching assistant does. Instead, he should document everything that is affecting his job performance or putting him in a bad position. I also told him not to go to the principal without having documentation and that it would be better to email the principal or write a letter. This way he has a paper trail. So if anything were to happen, he would have some evidence that he tried to rectify this issue. Do you think this is constructive information, suggestions, I mean? Uh, Do you or listeners have any suggestions? Um, I thought his recommendation about creating a paper trail, as they call it, I thought that was great. Um, I did also uh, share with this person that I suspect this could be one of the ways that white supremacy racism uh, impacts our behavior as victims. I suspect if this uh, black male teaching assistant, if he had a white teacher that he was working for, I doubt that he would be doing some of these things. I could be in error. Carter G. Woodson talked about that. We brought that up before. Uh, Can't say for sure, but that would be my speculation. Anyway, um, talking to the person, I know I've heard Mr. Fuller recommend that if you are in a a workplace situation and you're having a problem with another non-white coworker, to try to speak with them privately first, and let them know, you know, what the issue is, and that you would like to resolve it just between you two or you three or how many other people it is, uh, and that if you all cannot uh, resolve this problem, that you are going to go to the whites and let them know about it, and then they can handle it. Uh, I would do the same thing uh, with this person, uh, and I think it's great in terms of uh, making documenting incorrect things that are being done if the person is taking lunch and not coming back or taking longer than they're supposed to or if they've got their laptop out when they're supposed to be teaching or whatever whatever the infractions are uh document them date time what's happening and you know i've talked to this person i talked to this person on such and such a date to address this issue and it's continuing i talked to them again blah 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 and then uh, i definitely with the email that way you have a, a record of Uh, written record of bringing this up with the white people who can solve this problem. Um, It is, we certainly need black teachers, but we need black teachers that, you know, value uh, grooming, nourishing the next generation of black scholars, not if you're not going to take it seriously under these conditions of white terrorism. Uh, Folks have suggestions that you would give for this situation? Perhaps not. We'll pick up. If folks have any suggestions about this as we roll, feel free to just reference back to it. Uh, if you have anything you would like to share on that. Uh, other folks who dialed in, uh, if we have not heard from you in particular, uh, please feel free. Go ahead and share. Can I be heard? Yes, sir.
6: Uh, greetings, Gus. Greetings to the college and the listeners on the line. Uh, this is live calling from Milwaukee uh just left the uh, classroom and uh, uh, had a white professor and uh, took a, just a couple of notes. I thought a few things stood out that he said. Uh, first thing was he said that um, freedom is knowing that you're not alone and then maybe we're all not free. Um, I thought that that was very interesting being spoken by a white man and um in class, it was a uh, non-white, uh, quote-unquote, Latino uh, male that was uh, looking at his phone or checking a text message or something like that. And um, <clears throat> the white man said to him, you know, you just put the phone away. You know, if uh, everybody see it, then everybody else going to start wanting to do that. And I know it's a sex message. I just know it is. And, uh... That was the end of my observation. Uh sorry for calling in so late, but I did just get out of the classroom. I didn't have a chance to uh really hear any other the uh, other commentary,
1: but thanks for taking the call. Appreciate it. No apologies. Class is important. Thank you uh for dialing in to share. Uh other folks. Why were you so sure it was something sex related, the text message?
6: That's what the that's what the white male teacher said to the uh, uh the Latino male, and I thought that that was very interesting, um, and I just wondered would he have said that if it had been a white male or really a white female, I wonder if he would have said that, and I just, and looking at it in the context of white supremacy, uh, how non-white males get uh, over-sexualized, I thought that it was a very interesting perspective uh, coming from a white male who was a sociology professor.
1: Thank you for the correction. I got it. I, I would agree that does seem to be a typical pattern uh, in the system of white supremacy where non-white people get uh, hyper-sexualized Carter G. Woodson. Consistent theme in the program this evening. Uh, other folks, that, uh, particularly if we have not heard from you, if you have either your own situation you want to address or if you have commentary on any of the uh, different uh, vignette situations that have been uh, brought up thus far, feel free. Have you heard? Yes, sir.
13: Greetings, Gus. Um uh greetings to all <clears throat> the callers and the listeners, uh am from South Florida. Y'all doing? Um, uh, I, I had uh, I wanted to share two things. One, I um I recently got another job, uh detailing, um, this time at a, a, a higher end uh dealership. Um uh, and I, I, I noticed, I, how to put this. I, I from learning, from, learning from this show, I'm not. I can't quite put it in words, but I see, like, I, I feel what I thought before was an air of confidence, just to um, move ahead in life, or you know, uh, move up in your job status. You know, from entry level to, you know on so on and so forth but <clears throat> now it it just it seems like just complete racism just complete like i'm better than every anything darker than me or anything dark i'm better than that like a uh, uh, instance i was uh washing i was i was uh detailing the car pressure washing we have an inside building uh, with three bays well, you know, we uh, pull um, we pull the cars in and we wash them all. But you know, we put other little little things on them, little uh, you know, chemicals and other things. So um, I'm in there and I got a pressure wash and washing it. And my like I said, I just started, but just the guys that are um, that are with me that did detailers and then on the inside of the uh, you have another building. There's a mechanics. And then you have a separate building where all the dealership is, where, you know, the salesmen and all that. And um, the salesman they'll come back, they'll, they'll bring a the car back, and they'll just walk through while you're washing the car. And at, at first, like my first couple of days, I just I chalked it up as, you know, well, I don't know, usually the guys may, may stop at mid work or just um, maybe, maybe, maybe the – Salesmen are new, or, or you know what I mean. This it might be a new path that they're taking. But then, as the days went by, I just started to see that, you know, it was just like an era. of... I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. All the details are black. All, all the details are black. All the mechanics are white, except for except for one. And all the salesmen are either that. All the salesmen are, um, <laughs> I don't know, they're they're white or non white but not, not black. Not not black as in like my I consider myself black, not African American, but just I'm from here, my people have been here, trade whatever, but I, I consider myself black. Like me, no guys like that. Indians, uh people that consider themselves excuse me people that consider themselves uh East Indian or East Asian, um, Middle Eastern or North, Northern Africa or um you know, they, they, uh, or even Latin, uh, Latin people, people got to consider themselves Spanish and Latin. No, nobody black. But like I said, once I a couple of days went by, and they walked through. These guys just, you know, as soon as they walk in, they fire up a cigarette, walk straight through. If they got a buddy with them, they talked to them. And it, but they walked straight through where we're washing cars, like exactly where we're washing cars. And so, uh, like, maybe uh, three days ago, I just, you know, I didn't want to lose my job or anything. You know, I, I stayed to myself. I talked, I joked, but I kind of stayed stay to myself and my kind. But I just kept washing the car just to see what the guy would do. And he stopped, of course, because he didn't want to get wet, and he kind of, like, went around. So I just kept watching the car, but I said I was going to pay attention to him when he came back in to see – not pay attention to him, not to get him wet, or pay attention to his. How did he feel about what transpired? You know what happened. So he walked back in. He didn't look at me, but the way he walked by the car, he walked. He he walked pretty close, like the way I was. And I stopped watching at that time. He walked pretty close, and it's just like I'm not, maybe I'm I'm exaggerating or I'm imagining, but he seemed to have his chest out more. uh, just not stalking but i don't know he just like had an air of arrogance i guess i guess is what what i can say and it, it just um i know how to handle it i know how to deal with it but i, I just found it I, I found it interesting that uh, he it was no threat of a, he didn't feel physically threatened he didn't feel any of that those things and um my the other thing i wanted to share was I have a, I have a, I have a friend, he's, he's a black male, and we were having a discussion, well, a brief discussion, and he said something, he said something about a white girl, or, or something, somebody, somebody white, and then he, then he went on to say that, that's all, he, he only dates white girls, or Spanish, or Spanish women, and, you know, he was talking about it, so I asked him, I said, um, well, why? And he, he, you know, he gave me all kind of other, like, I don't know, man. It's just something about him, and it's just, I just—I—I I don't know. And, and then I was like, "Well, do you believe? I mean, you came from a black woman. Do you—do you believe that? You know, life comes from black. You know, I went asking him those kind of like a couple of those questions. Does he believe that life comes from black people? Or, you know, uh, does he—does he care about you know things that happen with slavery? and stuff, Like, how does he take it? Has he ever asked her about it? I asked him any of the girls, you know, any of the girls about it? And he just, he just, he kind of deflected the questions, and it just went on just about, I don't know, he'd like them and this and that. And not so much that he can't stand uh, our queen sisters, but that, or that he doesn't, you know, for whatever reason, but he just does not, he, his preference is white or non-white, but I guess not black. And I'm um, I, I mute my line.
1: Thank you. Interesting, interesting. Thank you for uh, dialing in the share. I remember you had dialed in before when you were working on vehicles uh, down in Florida and talking about how the whites would come and get real, real close in your space. Kind of the same thing we've been talking about today. Would we'll come and get real close in your space and tell their corny jokes and what have you, and you're just expected to take it. And when you didn't want them in your uh, personal space, how that became a problem, much like what Thomas was talking about, what we've been talking about today. But um, it sounded uh, just the way you described uh, your new plantation situation. It sounded exactly like a plantation uh, with the black people doing the work on the vehicles, and then all the people that are the upper management or what have you are not black. Uh, I know you said they were white and/or non-black, non-white people that are, you know, upper management uh, where you work at. That sounds uh, very plantational. That is the system of, of racism, white supremacy, all areas of. People activity. Was this uh, on the job, this conversation with the non-white coworker about his uh, what they call dating preferences?
13: Yes, uh, Gus. Yes, it was on the job. And I just, just said, he's my manager. Like, he, he, matter of fact, he's not my manager. He's like, he's somebody that I knew growing up. He's like a supervisor. He has several stores that he supervised like in the teens. So maybe in the 20s, I don't know. But he uh, he but most of the time he's, he's at our store like I said, I, I grew up under him. He's he's some years older than me and um I watched him, you know, growing up. moved away and stuff, but I always knew him. But I never knew that about him because um he he has he has he has children. And um his first child I know her mother. Matter of fact, her mother and my sister are, used to be uh consider themselves best friends. And, um, nice woman, very, very nice, nice woman. Um, but I know her and she's black. And I, I, when he was saying that, it was, I, I was, I don't know, I was taking, um, not to use a, uh, 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 metaphor, but I was taken aback. I was kind of like, it shocked me to hear that coming from him. So yeah, I didn't mean to rant, but yeah, it, it was, it was on the job.
1: Not a rant. Appreciate the, uh. Clarification. That is uh, mm, that product of the system of, of white supremacy, that sort of uh, thinking. Uh, I think Mr. Fuller would say that we become monsters and monstrosities uh, under this system with that sort of uh, thinking. Um, I would say this just my recommendation. Certainly, we all have BGQ. You come to your own conclusions. And I know many folks have said Gus has no idea what he's talking about. Come to your own conclusion, but. Uh, I wouldn't even encourage uh having that sort of conversation with another non white person even if you know them well on the job just because whites uh they wield so much power over us uh that it's very easy, particularly if this person is already you know evidencing this type of anti blackness uh that it's very easy to manipulate us and you know i'm I'm just making up a name, you know, to go and and talk to a white person, one of the white people that is not a detailer that, you know, is one of the executives there and be like, man, Bob was out there talking crazy about slavery and hating white people. And I mean, it was just um, I can't even believe that he brought that up. And we have had, you know, non-white people victims call in before where that sort of thing has happened, where a non-white person, they were talking about racism and uh, the, the victim thought that the person they were talking to thought that they could trust that individual and that person went and snitched and told about their views on racism to whites and they ended up losing their job. So that's, that's my view. I know some people don't, uh, that's not their view. They, uh, are willing to take that, you know, risk I would call it, but that's not their view. That's fine. But I did at least want to get that out there just because I've seen where that has gone bad uh, for victims of racism before, unfortunately.
13: I definitely agree, guys. Definitely.
1: And I just say um, that
11: um, I remember the call from Florida as well. Hopefully the sun's not beating down on them. Um, and <laughs> yeah, are <you're> right. <laughs> um, the, the key thing I would say is that if someone was to tell me to have a general conversation, if I knew them or not, you know, like um, they only date white women and um, non-black women. Uh, practically that look close to white women. You know, they have that little wing mentality. I would say um, I wouldn't say anything to them anymore about that because it's nothing you're going to say that's going to change that. Uh, they're getting high levels of white validation, and um, they, they're they not going to learn until they learn on their own or they're staring up at a tree and a rope. You know, that's the only way. It's, it's not. you're going to say to help. That's how dead. that conversation altogether.
1: Thank you. Thank you, Thomas. I appreciate it. Wow. Uh, Other folks, if you all have uh, commentary, either your own situation you would like to address, uh, or if you have suggestions, strategies uh, about some of the situations that have been uh, presented already, if you have questions, that's fine, too. Uh, The number, again, is 641-715-3640. The code is five six four nine four three pound press star six. If you would like to participate, uh, please do not wait till the last minute. You know, you have something you would like to share uh, dial in, get your hand up. Uh, anybody that we uh, missed any callers that uh, have not been able to share at all. Um, I'll be heard. I'll be heard. Oh, go ahead. I'll go after you. Uh, thanks.
11: Um, First and foremost, I'd like to uh, uh, thank Gus for this uh, platform to talk on. definitely been important to me within the last year. Um, I am from the Midwest. Uh, I'm currently on a plantation now, so that's why I called in earlier. It was tough for me to get to you guys, but I've been listening, and uh, this is a feed off of uh, – what the caller from Porter, I guess, or what you guys are talking about here in the Midwest? Um, I, I'm known within the i have been with the company I've been with for the last, I think, eleven, going on twelve years, and I've run into this problem, which has kept me that I feel at an entry level for ten, twelve years. Not my education, not my attitude, and I deal with HNRC. I deal with it all the time. It's unfortunate though, um, because, but that runs rampant. I pretty much, I know probably everywhere, but definitely in the Midwest, people want to capitulate to white people. Um, for me, um, I know we are all talking about white people to this point, and I hate to get, I hate to digress and start talking about black people, what they do to each other. um, I work with a, a reverse to the the guy that said uh, he talked to a manager. His manager, he knew the guy, and they were reversed. He was old. Um, the worker was older than the manager. Well, this is reversed. I had a guy that's a couple years older than me, um, kind of grew up together. We know each other. Me and his younger brother were good. Uh, I was a little older than his younger brother. He's a little older than me, three, four years of separation. And um, right now, when I first got – at this company um which is in 05 um he had been here maybe a year or two we knew each other and we worked on this shift which is second um and you know i i knew him this is when i was a little i still i still was qualified but i was a little you know a little more confused than i am now um the guy um right now um i don't work with him currently i think he's still with the company um Back in I think 2007 eight, and we worked together. Um, we ate together. Uh, we both had aspirations. I mean, no, we we both grew up with our parents were you know well off. Uh, lower middle class, but we you know there was no uh, you know there was not a government cheese. There was no government help. It was all you know. Um, his dad took care of him. My mother was single mothers took care of me and my sister. So we had things in common. We knew each other. Um, we had aspirations. He served, I think in the Navy. Um, I did not. Um, but you know, this guy was a little bit more, um, I want to say urban, you know, um, I'm not even urban just, you know, I just cause we're on a, Oh, you know, a little bit more hood, you know what I mean? Like he had the do rags, let him loose, not curled up. I currently have a do rag on now. It's bundled up. I don't, you know, I just, I try to stay codified with, you know, I work in a factory, so, you know, but, you know, tattoos, gold front, gold tooth, got, you know, cars with 20s on them, 22s, always trying to step up an inch each year with his car, you know, Um, but we had a white woman that was our supervisor on second shift. He had been there two, three years prior to me, so um i got i knew my job he had knew his job well he became the lead on in our area, and it's you know I'm all for it, and even right now, after I get done, i'm still you know i'm i'm you know i i will, i will not say anything negative about him. meaning like you know when it comes down to what he had to do you do what you got to do, but it's unfortunate that you take on the h n i c role and uh sit down with him talk to him we talk he tell me his aspirations, i tell mine every thirty minutes each day second shift just me and him you know and i guess the white woman wanted to give him a chance and i'm all for it i'm clapping so i'm like that's good i'm not expecting anything but after, like mr fuller said i would never expect because barack obama got into office that i that black people were going to <laughs> you know miraculously everybody's going to get a check and you know reparations going to happen you know that's what white people believe you know but you had to be a fool to even think about that or think like that so when he got on i was generally happy he had a son he had medical problems with his son black black guy had a, a black wife um kids are black i'm happy you know i'm still to this day I'm like you know it's good but you, I, I guess you got to step on people I feel like you need to step on people in order to move ahead um when he he became a uh, team lead and she gave him a chance became a supervisor so he left my area to supervise another area. He would come back to me telling me stories about these other white supervisors, giving him trouble. He was on a lower shift because he was a new supervisor. And these and these white people here at this company, I mean, you I as mean, a supervisor, you can make easily six figures with bonus. You can, you can make that. And, you know, that was the aspiration between me and him. We wanted to, you know, make that, you know, and get our families out of the areas we're in or just make us, you know, build on that. And um he got on, I'm happy he would come by for a year or two, tell me what's going on, man, that's messed up, you know, how you gonna do it? We would think about codified things, you know, before I even attempted or to even listen to the cows, we were already thinking about what you had to do. You know, I I remember a situation where the supervisor was on first shift, told him, Hey, I need these things done. I need so and so move to this area, check on these areas. Um um, I would just say my, you know, the, the guy I'm talking about would say, hey, I can't do that because I already checked in that area. These things will be ready. The machine's down. The white guy walked up to, oh, you just a baby. You're just a baby. And walked away. You know, he was heated. Come back to me, he mad. I told him to calm down. It's all good. You know, just make sure you, you remember that, you know. And he moved on from there. You know, I still have my job to do and I'm trying to ascend through this garbage too. So he finally he's on for a couple years he's he's learned their doctrine you know he's he's understanding what hat to wear so now he's over my area now a year him being a supervisor he's over my area and uh, you know i i hate to you know i, I that's what's messed up what what racism white right supremacy does as a black person you 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 hate to you know point the guy was in my area. He he started to move in my area, become my supervisor. He knew I was proficient at my job. I knew all areas of this particular line. I could work any area I want. Okay. Um, you know, that I knew every area without any, any failure. And, you know, there was another lead to be he needed a lead. And he he did everything he could not to give me that lead. And I'm asking him, you know, I'm kinda like, what's up? You know, like in my mind, like, it's me. You already know that. So I had to, you know, kind of pull him to the side. Oh, let me do a, you know, let me take everybody's opinion and kind of let me make up these BS, you know, applications for a lead within the fact. I'm like, you know, in my mind, like, he's doing everything he can not to fight the hand that fed him, you know, and it's, un- it's just not, you know, using it like that, but that's what it was, and that's the doctrine that spread at this company. If you are prominent in most companies, if you are prominent in a black role, you know prominent black leadership, you cannot. Obama was going through. You can't bite the hand that fed you. You cannot, you know, just start putting a bunch of black people on because then, if you do something goes wrong, they're gonna be like, "See, look at you. Put all these black people on. I told you, you can't do that." You know. So he was definitely scared of that, which which is unfortunate because these types of things change your life. Um, I'm still at a certain pace where I could be at another pace, you know, but because of certain decisions that other people make over me that I, I'm, I'm, I'm suppressed, you know? Um, so, you know, I just connect to that, you know, the other color earlier, um, it's just, a it's a bad situation. Um, when you, uh, conversate with somebody at work, you think you guys are another black male. You try to stay together and one of you get on and things happen. Um, I think Gus, were you gonna ask me
1: a question or uh no, I I uh thank you for sharing. Uh even though I'm you know I'm sorry that had to be the situation uh that, you know, you're experiencing. Uh, I just wanted to point out and just going back to the audio clip that we had with Neely Fuller Jr. at the very beginning and, and we're closing in on eight years, uh white people permitting, uh eight years of doing the context of white supremacy. I understand a little bit more uh, each day, each year when Mr. Fuller says, if you do not understand racism, white supremacy, what it is, how it works, then everything else will only confuse you. Uh, When the audio clip that I played uh, today with him talking about workplace racism, um, where he talked about, you know, if you are a black person uh, on a job, uh, you are not in charge. Uh, It's very, very, even if you're not, you know, on a job you still are not in charge but certainly if you're in a workplace situation you are not in charge regardless of what your title is regardless of how big your office is you are not the most powerful person there and that includes president obama as you stated i think it's very important for us to keep that in mind and even as as i stated uh with the callers uh who have shared that they are afraid of even calling in to discuss their issues with workplace racism because Some of the whites that they work with might hear them and they might cause problems for them. As I stated earlier, this broadcast, that is totally logical and legit. So I'm sure this black male that, you know, that you went to school with and all that uh, directly, indirectly, uh, it seems like he understands, hey, if I put a whole lot of black people, even if, you know, this is my guy, we grew up together and all that. And I've known him for years and years and years. Um, you know, if I put him on, I might get in trouble with these whites. You said you all have aspirations to try to, to do better for yourself, do better for your family. That's totally logical, totally legit. He might be thinking, hey, if I do that, if I give the lead position to my friend, uh, that might, you know, jeopardize me. They might tell me, hey, you know, you're not doing a good job. We're going to replace you and get a different supervisor or whatever his official uh, title is that's the system of white supremacy. In my view, I think it's, it's, it is best in terms of dealing with, it. I know it's frustrating, but in my view, it's logical. The people to be upset with or frustrated with are whites. They are the ones who are making this situation where he is fearful or whatever is motivating him to not uh, allow you to move up and whatever. And, and I would even say logically, it's not him. That is the one that is making the decision for you to not move up, even though he might appear to be the one that's out on the floor and saying, well, I'm not going to give you the lead and whatever he said uh, when you address this issue with him. Directly, indirectly, it is white people. They are in charge. I think you said it was a white woman who allowed him to have that job. I'm sure another white white person can make a decision about whether he's going to keep that job, whether you'll keep your job, whether you'll move up. That is the system of white supremacy, and I just, I know people, you know, disagree, that's fine, but it's just, it's my view, I think it's very important to just kind of keep that Uh, perspective, because it's true. I'm not saying this, you know, out of some love of black people and, you know, let's never credit. It's not that it's just either it's true or it's not white people are in charge. They make these decisions directly, indirectly. And even if it is through fear and intimidation of another black person, that is still the white person is in charge of how these things are going to work out. Uh, Either I'm talking crazy or that is counter racist logic. Not at all. You're not talking crazy. It's just unfortunate because once he got put on, the gold tube got
11: put out, the veneer got put in, um, the, the car got traded in, the Caprices got traded in for the BMW. It was just unfortunate that um, that um, out of everybody in our group, you know and I know who's who's taking the batonic. You know who's who steps up for leadership roles. That, at the end of the day, that's what I see is some leadership experience in a role. And uh, – under the circumstances, um, it was just unfortunate that he couldn't, he had to do kind of look at outside other areas in order to get somebody to come in to lead because he just wanted to do everything he could not to hand that off to me. And, you know, and I, like you said, I, I totally understand it. It was just it very frustrating. It's just very frustrating. And like I said, um, I've really been, um, ever since the book club and the last blood brothers, um, I've really been looking um, and, and reading over the last several weeks about the, the, the spat that Martin Luther King and Malcolm had, um, and how they it was displayed publicly. It was unfortunate, and I'd never. And the one thing I could have done, and I one thing I did do actually, I walked up to the HR in my my job, and I it was a black woman, and I said to her off the record, "I need this off the record." She closed the book, and we just start talking. And I broke it down to her, like, this is what I'm facing. I just don't understand. She's like, I don't understand either. Let me talk to him. When she talked to him, a week later, he comes up to me and goes,
4: oh,
11: do you want to be the lead? You know, kind of like you didn't want to do it. You know what I mean? Like, And that's not what I'm looking for. I'm looking for, you know, like, hey, I understand, but I do understand what we all face, him, me. It's just unfortunate that it took him over that way to where – he could not, it, it, it was it was in his gut that he did not want to help. You know, it's a doctrine that goes around here that you do not help another black. A white man can help any demographic, anyone. A white woman can help anyone. A black female can help anyone. But a black male cannot help a black male. It's just taboo. And, you know, it's just unfortunate. Um, so I appreciate everybody. I appreciate your commentary, too, Doug. Uh, I'll meet my line. Thank you, everybody.
1: mm mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you for sharing. I do think uh, black people in general are not allowed, discouraged, and I would even add punished uh, for attempting to help other black people. Might even submit Dr. Frances Cress Welsing as Exhibit A uh, for a black female also being punished for trying to help other black people. Uh, Shirley Sherrard as well uh, with her position formally in the uh, Obama administration as they called it she also was punished for trying to help other black people black farmers uh specifically uh that standard operating procedure worldwide and i would even add really quick also even if it is not directly indirectly stated from whites even if it's just anti-blackness and i don't want you know to risk this black person my friend person i've grown up with Advancing ahead of me, doing better than me, getting that six-figure salary before me, or getting a better car than me, quicker—that still is the mentality of a victim of white supremacy. And like I said, I know many people. That's not the position that they take, uh, and they, you know, want to fault find and yell at that person and name call them and and all of that. I have not seen where that solves any problems. Again, I, a lot, everything really about workplace racism. This broadcast is about practical ways of thinking acting, speaking to solve problems without making new problems. I just haven't seen we're taking that approach to blaming the black person. I've stated for years, it just comes down. I'm not, I'm not saying you, I'm just talking in general. Um, when people go that direction, what should be done? Should we call in names? Should we key his car? Should we throw eggs at him? Should we toilet paper his house? Should we put him in the headlock? What should be done? I have not heard any solutions to solve this problem, and I've concluded you're not going to solve this problem until we replace white supremacy with justice. It's very easy. Whites have a myriad of different techniques that they can use to manipulate black people into behaving against our own self-interest, personally and or other black people uh, in job situations or anywhere else. That is the power dynamic of white power. Uh we had other people that called in that we have not heard from uh lady upstate New York. Did you have commentary you want to add in as well? Oh thought she was with us uh are you with us, ma'am lady in New York? are you with us
5: yes um, maybe here yes ma'am um just a quick comment um with the uh caller who um just spoke um I'm sorry that situation is is happening with your friend and employment. But under this system, it's just you can't expect anybody to be able to help you, male, female. Um, It's just designed that way. Even where I am, I I have so much family. I I thought that I would have so much help with um, child-rearing. And it's just not there. Um, Help with... I have many family members who are in the healthcare field who are literally in charge of hiring and firing, and um, I thought that that would assist me. I've, like, literally handed applications in to family, and they're like, hi, you know, it's me. I haven't seen you in five years. And I'm like, yeah, I know who you are. Hi, how are you? Um, no, it didn't get me a job, didn't get me anything, Um so I've just learned to not expect anything from other victims um, because of the way this the system is dev- designed. Um, when I do get assistance, when I do get to quote unquote network and um, you know get what I need, then I'm happy for it. But I've just automatically my first thought is not to expect to be helped to, to advance. From other victims, um, I wanted to talk about my um, lovely work week. Um, again, we do have white females at the job, not too many. It is primarily staffed with black males and females. However, I did meet one of the nurses this weekend who is a older white woman who has what are called. Uh, so-called biracial children, and it was terrible. Um, this white woman is the most attention-seeking white woman that I have encountered in a very long time. She is obviously accustomed to getting attention and having her way with black people um she looks like she possibly had some type of substance abuse issue at one point in her life if not currently her behavior was very erratic I do not know how she is employed as a nurse um she takes very frequent breaks. She's always off the floor. And if you are a nurse, you can leave your floor. You have to take a lunch break. You have to take your 15-minute break. You just tell the other nurse you're working with or whoever else is there that is nursing, doing uh, some type of nursing duties as well. But this woman does not stay on the... uh, I did a 12-hour shift, two 12-hour shifts, and she didn't even stay... 30 to 45 minutes on the floor without having to continuously leave and do something. Um, On Saturday, which was my first day on the floor, I went because my cousin was training me. We went and we got some takeout. Um, She ran to the elevator. Oh, I didn't know you were going out for lunch. And I said, oh, yeah, because I i'm going out i just said oh yeah just not too much eye contact not too much conversation because i did not want to play the game of taking orders at work for different people and some people have money some people don't so i hurried up and got out came back and she kind of had a discussion next time tell me when you go to lunch and i'm like whatever i'm not buying anything for you or i'm not going to take your orders um I went out again got some coffee, and she said something about that, and that was, um, you know, these were my scheduled breaks, so it was, wasn't a problem. Um, so this day I noticed that she did not really like me interacting that much with my cousin, even though she was training me. She would always jump in and try to give some type of training me or training advice, but it was very manipulative because it would be so that I would do her work or my cousin would do her work so that she can leave and take a break. She was so terrible that she wound up leaving one of her patients on the floor. She did not know how long that patient was on the floor. The aide had to give her an approximate. She lied, falsified documents called the uh, nurse manager, told her a bunch of lies, and she wanted us, which is me, my cousin, and some of the aides to do her job for her as far as getting this patient or this resident off the floor, Um, which is not supposed to happen because she's, we can't literally do assessments, but the nurse will tell her how to assess, and then you're supposed to call the RN back and give her whatever your findings were um, as far as vitals and things like that, neurological check. She decided that she was going to be off the floor supposedly relieving the receptionist for her half an hour lunch break, which anyone else can do and a nurse should not be doing. But what she was really doing was making copies of coloring pages So she plays this busy game where she's not really busy. She's just moving around like someone who has a problem with substance abuse and fidgeting all the time. So with her manipulative way, she says, because I had to go down and get her, I'm like, we cannot touch this man. We're going to get in trouble. Um, I went down to get her after she played the game and kept calling back and asking my cousin to get him off the floor and then told the a to get them off the floor before she assessed them so i went down she didn't know i was standing behind her she was literally just doing nothing standing in front of the desk and then she goes oh i know i'm such a bad nurse and this and that i left my patient on the floor but this is her theme to where she says all the things that she know she knows is true about her that she knows she's doing but she will try to make you seem like um you know you should have been thinking that because it's not really true And she tried to blame it on the receptionist and saying the receptionist has to, black receptionist, black female, has to get together and we have to figure out this lunch break thing. And it was like, no, what are you talking about? So um, she came on up, left again, saying I had to finish helping the receptionist. Still didn't get her patient up. Then the third time she came up. Um, So I thought, I was like, oh, wow, I have to make sure I stay clear of this woman, she will be the last person I train with because I know she's going to train me incorrectly and she's going to have me frantic because that is the way she does things. Um, Fast forward to Saturday, I asked the other black people, you know, what's going on with her? and they pretty much said again she um blames everyone else doesn't really do her work she likes again a lot of the female's attention she makes them braid her hair they can't go to lunch without her running uh jumping down their throat about get me this get me that i don't have my card today i'll get you next time um so it's just she just does this she um like my cousin is like I can't stand her. She won't let me be. I'll be behind the desk doing my work, and then she'll jump on. Oh no! Let me get you on the computer, and let me get on the computer and show you this. And she's like, I'm. I, I don't need training anymore. I've been here for months. Um. But so she does that, and she did it again where she had to. Um, this we had to discard medicine. So she pretended as if she was showing my cousin how to do it, but what she was really doing was hers, and then gave my cousin half of her, uh, all of her patients, medicine to discard, and then some of hers. Uh, So she just continues to do this. Sunday, um, I went in, and the actual uh, director of nursing was in. She asked me how I was doing. I told her, great, and I made the comment that I'm at 90%, but I didn't have any coffee, so I'm not at 100%. So the nurse, um, the director of nursing says, go, go get some coffee. You know, I want somebody. I don't drink coffee. And then she goes, oh, I don't have my car. So I'm like, geez, I'm going to have to get the director of nursing. She's the one who hire me. Whatever, screw it. I'll get her some coffee, even though I don't want to do that. And I didn't expect for her to say she wanted something. So she gets on the phone, calls upstairs to the third floor, asking everybody. And I said, no, you need to stop. I'm not taking everybody's order. I will mess their orders up. So she hung up the phone. I said, I'm going to get something for you, my cousin. And then here comes the other nurse. So I'm like, oh, I don't want her to get in the habit of me getting her something. So she puts her order. Fine. She gives me the money. I said, I'll do it this time. Because the director's right here. If the director was not right there, I would have told her, no, I'm not. I, I don't take orders for everybody because I'll mess it up. So when we get there, I realized that she was 20 cents short. So I did not get her what she ordered because she was short. And her handwriting was terrible. I didn't even know what the paper said. So I got her something else and brought it back. And she um, was so angry that she barely talked to me the whole day, which is good because just the way she behaves is I can't deal with it. Um. She went and told everybody how um, she's the iced coffee queen and she knows exactly how much money the iced coffee costs and how could she be short. And everyone was laughing behind her back and I was like, oh man, what did I do? This white woman's going to get me back. So everyone's calling me, um, what do they call me, Petty Betty or something like that. And she was pretty much mad the whole day and talking about she's going to go get this person to get her coffee. So she wound up getting somebody else that worked there to go get her coffee for free. And she didn't drink the coffee that I bought her, and so I just wound up pouring it out. Um, But that was how I got her to leave me alone from the ordering. But we went out again for lunch, and she runs to the elevator, catches my cousin, and she starts making all these faces and huffing and puffing and so my cousin's like what you don't have money she's no I don't I have just my credit card so my cousin has to get her lunch and because my cousin had to get her lunch I went without lunch because this was her day to buy me lunch and um so my cousin says you know we just I can't I can't find a way to get around getting her what she wants or um having her just all up in my space and giving me these this fake training and suggestions, but pondered her work off on me. So later that day, she tells my cousin, why don't you train her on my cart? And I said, hold on, I need to finish my training over here. I'm going to get confused. I can't do both sides of the hall today. And she goes, oh, Jesus, because I have to do all this treatments and all this stuff. So really, she just wanted her to do her cart and for her not to work that day and to do both sides of the hallway. And I said, well, um, "Was she trying to get us to do her work?" And my cousin goes, "Yeah, she was. This is what she does, and you better watch out because she will have you doing her work, signing on it. And if something goes wrong, you're going to be in trouble and you're going to lose your license." So it was it was a horrible experience um, because she changed the whole dynamic of the workday with her. I don't know her frantic behavior. I don't know what it is. Um and so that that was me dealing with the white woman on the floor, uh, this week. This weekend. I mute my line. Hmm.
1: Wow. That is uh whew, that is a lot to process, man. It's super, super dangerous. Um <laughs> Wow, even where to uh, pick up. I know one thing that did pop into my mind regularly uh, as you were sharing some of the horrors from uh, the week, uh, I would be very leery. This sounds like the type of person that, as you just stated, could cost a lot of people their job or their license, Uh, if not worse. uh, I would be very, very careful, uh, whatever you need to Document because if she's looking to blame things on the receptionist or whomever else, she could be stealing medication, continuing to use. Uh, I would, you know, speculate that her substance abuse issues are probably not in the past. She might be still uh, using whatever uh, on her free time or while she is at work, even since I would assume you all have medication at the facility. Um, I would be very leery, as you said, it sounds like someone who could easily uh, blame something on you and saying that this was my responsibility, but you know, Hey, I told a lady to, uh, you know, check this patient or, or to do this or to, uh, to log this in and she didn't do it. So, you know, this was, this is on her. She agreed to do it. Like I would be really, really leery, uh, with all my interactions, documenting things. Uh, I would try and avoid her as much as possible and as you, with everything, not coffee, not nothing, uh, because it just sounds like someone who is is a catastrophe uh, waiting to happen, and is probably going to be something that gets blamed on other black people. Since you said it's a lot of other uh, black folks in the in the environment, um, if I, folks have uh, comments or suggestions related to what lady just said, uh, hang tight. I just want to make sure that we get folks that we have not heard from at all uh, to get in. Uh, I know our retired firefighter in Florida should be with us. The caller at nine nine three eight. Uh, did either of you all have uh, commentary you wanted to add, uh, either your own personal situation or something else you wanted to share?
15: yeah hey, I heard. Yes, sir. My name is Moses.
10: uh calling from Houston, Texas, by way of Queens, New York. First of all, before I get into my story, I want to tell you thank you so much for doing this show, this broadcast. I got turned on to you like about a year and a half ago about Tariq Nasheed. Uh, he spoke very highly of you on one of his broadcasts and I was like, I got to check out Gus show. And I've been in love with the show ever since my wife's been in love with the show ever since this show has single handedly changed my life. Single handedly changed my marriage. Single handedly changed my wife. We are codified. So thank you so much for everything that you do. Um, I'm a small business owner uh, in Houston, Texas, and uh, been in business for two years. Uh, When I came from New York, I started a logistics business, a little trucking business. I have two trucks, me and my partner. And uh, we contract uh, for retail companies. And we deliver to retail stores, uh, bathroom body works, et cetera, et cetera. But I had a situation that happened to me Uh, about four or five months ago, I was delivering to one of my stores and, uh, I got to the store, uh, at nine o'clock that morning. And, uh, most, most retail stores you have to deliver at a certain time, basically based on volume and they have to make sure that they have people at the store to, uh, to take merchandise because they have customers to take care of. So. This store, the delivery time, the delivery time was 9 to 10 o'clock. I was there at 9 o'clock. I got to the back door. I rang the doorbell. Me and Maya, I have a young guy who works with me during doing one Uh day. So there's two of us on the truck. And uh, I rang the doorbell for about 25, 30 minutes. I'm still waiting. So I contacted the company that I contract for, and I told them I was at the location. And I've been waiting for about an hour I have other deliveries to make. So the company contacted the store, but nobody picked up the phone. So the contact is the corporate. So evidently the corporate contacted the store and got in contact with the manager. And she came to the back door. A racist suspect, by the way. So she opened the door. She was already heated that the uh, corporate office had contacted her. And uh, she opened the door. She said to me, she was like, You don't have to keep ringing my doorbell like that because I'm busy. I have customers. I was like, I've been standing back here very calmly. I said, I've been standing back here for about 35 minutes, ma'am. I have other deliveries to make. She said to me, you don't have to be so hostile to me. I am white, you know. In 2016, she wasn't an older woman. She wasn't 50. She wasn't 60. She was in her mid-20s, 28, 29. And she said, you don't have to be so hostile to me. I am white, you know. So I was very calm. And I responded, I said, okay, you are white, so I expect you to react like that. So the moment I said that, she said, no, I'm not saying, saying, saying it like that. I'm saying I am a female. You don't have to be so hostile to me. I said, no, ma'am, that's not what you said. You said you was white. I do have to talk to you like that. You are right, you are white, so I expect you to react like that. And she started going on making a scene. And it was so pleasant to me, Gus, because she had she made a scene so much that her other co workers came from the back, black co workers, two girls, and started consoling her, hugging her and apologizing to her. And I'm standing there like what the hell is going on here? were apologizing to her and hugging her and she was telling them no you took it out of context I didn't say that and even my helper the young guy who works with me started consoling her and this went on for like 35 minutes I'm scanning my boxes I'm still doing my job and after everybody was hugging her and apologizing to her she came back to me while I was scanning my boxes trying to justify. No, you took it out of context. I I was, you were so hostile. You were so upset. I could see all in your face. And I was very, very calm. I have a very calm demeanor. I was, I didn't say nothing to this woman. All I said was I've been standing here for 35 minutes. But since I've been back to the store like a few times, and every time I'm back in the store, she's showing me pictures of a black she has a black godson. She said her, she has a uh, she has a best friend who's black, and and that's her godson. And she's always showing me pictures of her godson, and always trying to converse with me. I'm very very short with her, you know what I mean? And I think she can really tell. But I noticed since that incident, she's always trying to convince me that she's not a racist. And I just thought it was very very powerful that she she she. She was very racist towards me, but then she had other black people consoling her after she made a very racist statement. Even my coworker started consoling her, hugging her and telling her, oh, my gosh, she, she was crying. And, it was, and even the black girls got mad at me.
11: Why are you why? Why did you get upset at her? I'm like,
15: I didn't
10: get upset at her. And it was hugging her. I just thought that was very, very powerful. And I thought I called you to share that, ain't you, to get your get your perspective on. It.
1: Wow, <laughs> that is uh, that is spectacular. Make it plain. I mean, it does not get any more flagrant than that. You don't have to be so hostile uh, with me. I am white, you know. Like spectacular. Make it plain. Love that. Uh, in, in terms to in terms of the response and the other victims coming in to consider that is standard operating procedure unfortunately that is how we have been trained That's as i say all the time it's so important i feel like that is a major aspect of counter-racism is not helping whites uh, that's why i say that i know for some people particularly if you're first beginning to understand uh racism white supremacy and people hear that and they're like what that is you know crazy and what are you talking about you help anybody no, uh, that is that is how we have been contaminated. Uh, unfortunately, that's why you have movies like uh, The Help uh, and The Green Mile uh, and uh, Gone with the Wind, uh, where that is our role, where whites will praise us for that, being willing to help and even give our lives uh, to help other whites in a system of white supremacy. So I'm not surprised that even your coworker, unfortunately, went to console uh, this you know savage uh, race soldier. I am so glad that you called in because. I hear people all the time uh, where they say that this will solve the problem of racism. If we just go into business uh, for ourselves, if you are self-employed, if you're an entrepreneur, that this will end all of our trials and tribulations with white supremacy. And I say that that is fantasy. That's as bad as thinking that there are good whites, but that in quotes uh, that it just is going to change how you have to deal with racism, white supremacy. So just my quick fast forward. Make sure we get our caller, uh, retired firefighter, in as well. But just my my quick synopsis, and then we should have time. But other people want to give thoughts or suggestions. Um, in terms of, I'm not really sure what to do because, in my view, if a white, if it's just one white person and a bunch of other non-white people, and the other non-white person is comforting and consoling the white person, it becomes very very difficult because then everybody is just going to attack you if you seem like you have a problem with things or you don't like what's being done or even I would think even in that instance where you've wasted all this time uh, for this tacky, you know, little race soldier. Uh, and it's, Hey, we're late. We got deliveries. You're not the only person. That-
10: Go ahead, and and Gus, are you there? Yes. sir. And, and, and no, you just, you just said something so powerful. My whole day was ruined just based on that one situation. I, I, two of my deliveries I couldn't make cause I, I stayed, I spent so much time at that store with these people trying to console this woman. You know I mean? it, it, and it, it reminds me of a show that you did a few, a few, I think it was a few years ago. I was listening to your old, 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 old podcast, old broadcast. And that was, a, I forgot she was a writer. And she was at a, at, at, at a conference for black people. And she started crying and everybody started consoling her. I forgot her name. Uh, she was on, on the show a while ago. And you kind of call her out for that. And that was a similar situation with me, you know? I, do, you, do, you, do you remember what
3: I'm talking about?
1: I know Farrell Winfrey did that. Uh, she's a, it, I was going to say she's a white, but she's an admitted white supremacist. But she did that and talked about it, how a black male at the conference called her out for doing this. She was at some conference. They were talking about racism. She started crying. And the same thing happened. Everybody went to give her attention and rub her back. And, oh, you're the greatest thing ever. It's been a few whites I think we've had on the program over the years with this. Uh, I, I, I mean, the two, the two
10: African-Americans the young ladies who work at the store were so upset at me. I mean, so mad. What did you do to her? Girl, she's so sweet. What happened? And I'm like, what the hell just happened here? Like, I mean, it went on for like 45 minutes. She was crying, it was hugging her. Even my coworker, when we got back in the truck, he was like, man, you was very cold, man. You didn't even say nothing to her. She was trying to be, she was trying to talk, engage with you, you was very, you was very staying office. You made her feel bad. I was like, did you hear what she said to me? He said, I think you took it out of context. I was like, how can I have taken it out of context? He's like, no, I think she was just emotional. So she just said that and you took it out of context. And I'm, I'm going to say this and I'm going to mute my line, because I've been in business for two years. I've caught more hell. Okay. From suspected racists than when I was working for, for, for other people, just to get contracts. <laughs> I started with this company. I was making 60, 40 as a contractor. Every year, it seemed like to change my my contracts. It goes from 50-50, now it's 40-60. Intentionally, the moment that it seemed like you're making money, they'll always flip the contracts. It's so bad, I'm I'm willing to put a white face on my company just to get better contracts. Two years I've been in business.
1: But I'm going to mute my line, man. Thank you so much for taking my call, sir amazing amazing thank you so much for context context again and that's another one just to put a tab on it where i said uh earlier uh where i was talking about the situation where it was a black teacher and he had a black teaching assistant and the teaching black teaching assistant was coming in late and doing all these incorrect unprofessional things and i said i don't think he would do that if he had a white teacher that he was working for same thing here i think he would have had a drastically different experience if this had been a black male or a black female who had been 30 minutes late and then open the door and, you know, however they respond same. So I think it would have been drastically different. I do not think your coworker or anybody else, any other non-white people would have rallied and said, Oh man, what are you being hostile for? And you know, you're so rude and stuff. I think that would have been a totally different uh, situation if it had been a black person who had behaved in the same way. Uh, retired firefighter. Uh, the caller at 4362 and the caller from a block number. I think these are all people we have not heard from. If you all had commentary you wanted to share, your own situation or comments, you should be with us. Greetings. Can I be heard? Yes, sir.
15: Yes, uh, I'm I'm going to uh, file the last caller's uh, testimony away into my uh, counter uh files uh when it comes to non-white black people who are quote-unquote self-employed very interesting story uh just to uh add on to that very quickly uh uh what's the what's the white female's name uh feral uh feral winfrey yeah feral well she she has a she has a bad habit of doing that uh <clears throat> Mr. Fuller shared with me about a month ago that she was routinely calling him over and over and over again. And he had to tell her to stop calling him, go solve the problem. Basically what, basically what Mr. Fuller said, he had to tell, tell his wife female. Uh, they are very skilled, very skilled at that particular strategy and behavior that racist behavior, they're very skilled at it. And, uh, uh, they understand White people understand our reaction when they come with that type of emotion. Uh, and, uh, so they're very, they're very skilled at it and they know what kind of, kind of reaction that we're going to, that they, we're going to give to them. And it's to be expected is all I have to say on that. It should be expected to those of us who are uh, attempting to be codified. Uh, at the beginning of the program, uh, with Mr. Fuller uh, speaking about uh, the consistency on the job with black people, with the, uh, the insults under the guise of joking, uh, because even in our confusion, we understand the tension that exists in the people, activity, and employment. But a lot of us can't articulate or we're not codified. So therefore, as a reaction, we do this clowning and joking and insulting and loud about it. Uh, On the job that I retired from, I saw it for the most part in what was called on the job battalion meetings. Uh, you have you have several stations within what is called a battalion uh, to meet at a fire station, and that will bring about maybe about uh, about maybe twenty, some somewhere around twenty to twenty-five uh, individuals from their different units: rescue trucks, fire trucks. At one station uh with the chief basically supervising uh the uh the meeting for wherever it is maybe for maybe a union some kind of union information of uh, insurance or or even something uh about uh you know fire or rescue work that sort of thing like that and it it would always almost exclusively be non white black males quote unquote cutting the food clowning. Uh, as entertainment, it'd be com- comedy central to be expected. I, I, I recall one time reporting on the program that I had to actually go about the means of, of uh, convincing a non-white black male not to put on a gorilla mask and go into the meeting, one of the battalion meetings. He was en route to going inside of a fire station with a gorilla mask. Now what he was gonna do with that, I do not know. But I, 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 I kindly asked, pulled him to the side and asked him, would you please not wear that mask in the fire station in the meeting? Because I feel I would have to go about the means of defending the reaction that you will be getting, which would not be good. And I don't want to have to go through that. Would you please, just please do not wear that mask? I actually had to do that. Uh Moving on, uh, something something good and constructive. Uh, on the job as being a high school football coach, uh, there's been weeks where there was concern about, you know, pregame meals, uh, which is a meal before the game uh, for nutritionary purposes. It's also down here in South Florida. Uh, you know, it's uh, humidity big time, and, you know, it's, it still is like summer. So it's common in athletic events, the athletes would have muscle cramps. And uh, uh, what took place was uh, a, a level of the players' mothers. We're talking about black females. Black females, just in a matter of, of, of a few moments, organized, got it together, and they are fixing those kids. I don't want to say kids, but fixing those young, young black males uh, meals uh, after practice, and uh, I I went to them and 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 thanked them and said, you know, this is a lesson for me in self-respect, uh, and I'd like to thank you for what you your time and effort and what you've been doing. Uh, they raised their own money, uh, got the food together, fixed it, I mean, uh, uh, prepared it and served it uh, to. To uh, their sons and other uh, other other uh, uh, people's sons. Uh, just thought came to my mind about everybody and their reports, and just to understand what I've learned, you know, there are layers and layers that the white supremacists put between themselves and their victims, and the, the layers are actually a non-white, black vic- non-white victims. Period uh with different levels of codification. Uh of course non white black people are probably the, uh, are for the most part at the bottom of the list of of being mistreated as well as uncodified within that process. And in turn it uh leaves a large level of non white people, especially non white black people in being mistreated on a daily basis. Because uh, we're, we're talking about white people who may not individually, a person like each other, but they are codified. They are codified in this process, and uh, they know that their victims, for the most part, are not codified. And uh, also, even even outside of the realm of of non-white people, there are other issues they bring into the into the employment process to further confuse. Uh, Their victims, uh, uh, separate uh, things that they make up, like uh, the, the quote unquote uh, homosexual rights, uh, as well as uh, uh, gender, uh, is another situation that causes a lot more confusion. Because, bottom line is, the bottom line is, what is, what is uh, a weapon used by the racist white supremacists is, is deception. And deception causes confusion. And uh, so the more, the better for them. Uh, so uh, it, it would uh, discourage uh, non-white people into being codified. and But it actually is the only answer to solving the problem. And in turn, we all know two of the, two of the biggest attributes into uh, uh, making things as as, uh, uh, as good as possible on the job is the understanding of equal protection under the law and due process uh, that we need to need to very much pay attention to on a daily basis uh, there's so many things to be uh, noticing and paying attention to you know on the job in that light. Uh, and I'm just mentioning how the races are able to confuse the issue uh, because they're very codified. And uh, thank you for listening.
1: Absolutely, thank you for sharing, and also commendation to those uh, black parents, black mothers, uh, for going out and black self-respect uh, to organize and help the black children deal. I with mean, them. they were super.
15: They were super. They, I mean, it's just like it's just like it, 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 it was almost like. It's easy, it's easy as getting up in the morning and brushing your teeth and combing your hair. That's how smooth it was. And she had the had to say, all of the administrators for the most part are either white people or non-white, non-black people. So they're expecting, you know, that the whole thing is going to be a failure, you know, that sort of thing. And they have, they have funding. They have funding that can take care of that problem. But uh, one thing I like—I like—I'm so proud of them. They—they—they—they they, 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 they weren't waiting on that. They weren't waiting on that. They—they they understood the problem because they sitting up in the stands and watching some of the some of the uh, the boys cramping and whatnot, and they said that's not going to happen anymore. We're going to we're going to take care of this problem. And it—I mean—can't be more codified than that. <laughs> can't be more codified than that. And seeing a problem and then going about the means of solving it. You know, and uh, very proud of them, very proud of them, and I I brought
1: that to their attention. Thank you. Ashe, spectacular. Um, The people, see, we have not heard from the caller at 3637. Uh, You should be with us. Uh, Caller from a blocked number, and I think the caller at uh, 4362. Uh, Did you all have comments you wanted to get in? Can I be heard? yes sir
7: okay uh i work at a uh public school uh well a, a public school district in the chicagoland area um majority uh black public school uh of children i probably estimate it's about ninety ninety nine percent uh black children in the school it's a the school district with a couple of school i mean it's a school district with a couple of schools uh, that are all k through Eight, and one is an early childhood school. You in this field of education, and I'm not an educator. I, I work as a professional within the school district, so I get a chance to visit all the schools uh, in, in, during my time, and it gave me a perspective of how racism and white supremacy is being implemented on you know with with black children on, on an early level now. This is a school district that uh that doesn't have a uh, what they call very high scores in uh in testing and in and, in and, and grades and, and very poor attendance, uh, you know, according to, you know, the Illinois uh, educational board. Now this is also a school uh this is also a school district that has an all black uh has an all black uh uh, uh uh, what do they call it uh, uh, uh oh, what is it? Well, it has a black superintendent uh all the principals are black, but you go into the schools and there is nothing but white women teaching these kids, and if somebody looking at it from the outside was like, well, you know you got all black uh you got all these black principals and and you got a black superintendent and a black school board, that's what I was trying to say, you know, what what's going on? Take a look at the schools. They got all and then and then here's my experience with them. I like I walk by the classroom and generally the way some of these women talk to these children, it's like demeaning and degrading. And you know, I, I you know, I also like listen to some of these white women, you know, talk about the children and you know, obviously, you know, coming from a, uh, you know, coming from a black suburb, you know, there's going to be issues, but it's almost like a sense of like pity and, 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 and just like, uh, you know, how, how white women are with, you know, with, with young black boys, you know, they, instead of helping them, they just pitying them, you know, and it, it, and it just doesn't help our children. And, and so, you know, like when people ask me about that, I'm like, well look why don't you take a look inside the schools and look who's actually teaching the kids it's all white women it's all white women this is why kids are failing in in the public school system i'm getting a firsthand look at this and it's just it's just basically amazing me now here's another thing all right the school district recently hired a business and finance director now i googled his name what is the first thing that comes up with his name? This guy got fired from a job as a business director uh, five years ago in an all-white school district for lying to the school board about misappropriated funds. So basically this guy was stealing. And then he gets a job with our school district. (laughs) He's a white guy. And I'm going to tell you this, Gus when I see him, he has this sinister look on his face that I'm like, and and I just can't believe that they hired this guy. But I mean, you know, this is, this is racism and white supremacy at work right here. I mean, you could get fired for misappropriating stealing from another school district and get immediately hired in a black school district. I mean, it's just, it's just, it's just crazy. So, you know, that, that, you know, basically it's just, watching the education system, especially the public edu- education system and watching all these white people within this district, just take down our children's education. is just, I mean, it's sad. And, and, and this is one of the reasons why I will never put my daughter in a public school and uh, I'll mute my line.
1: Thank you for sharing that. I know, uh, Gus T. Renegade not that long ago said that white women were at the center of what they call the school-to-prison pipeline. One of our guests, Dr. Travis Brickle, that's his area of expertise. He does uh, education on research. He's at Stanford University in California. He said that uh, Gus was talking crazy. Uh, Once again, uh, 70% of the teachers in public schools in this part of the world are white women. To me, it seems uh, as obvious as one and one being two, but uh, you know, hey. Uh, People that we have not heard from, uh, the three, six, three, seven. Uh, and I think four, four, three, six, two. Do we all, do we hear from either of you yet? Can I be yours. Yes, sir.
10: Um, uh, good evening to everyone. Um, I just wanted to share a uh, incident. It's actually, uh, with my, um, my offspring, um, uh, She's a teenager she goes to school of course um she's in high school so she's uh she told me she she's aware that uh you know I listen to the cows and uh you know I try to try to be codified with uh you know using counter racism and she tells me that she's in um class and all of her teachers are uh suspected racist and uh this particular teacher was Discussing, I guess, uh, human behavior, what's consider- is considered normal and what's not considered normal. And then one of the uh, non-white black female students brought up uh, something about uh, interracial dating. Of course, uh, she was saying that one of her friends was in a uh, interracial relationship with a white male. And um, the uh, black female student... Um, voiced her concern, saying that she wasn't quite sure that she was uh that she uh accepted it or she didn't approve of that uh that relationship and then the uh the uh, racist, racist uh white male teacher said um well you you probably don't like that relationship because the uh the male is uh is white so basically, he's accusing her of being a this reverse racist, so to speak. And then, um, you know, I guess the, uh, the the teenagers were they were discussing, you know, interracial relationships and stuff like that. And they were talk. And then, I guess the teacher, the suspected racist teacher, uh, posed the question: What's the most common interracial relationship that's seen, I guess, on the campus of the high school? And, you know, they were, you know, throwing out different answers. And then finally, they, they first they said, uh, you know, um, black females and white males. And then they said, oh, no, 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 that's not the most common one. The most common one is, you know, black males and white females. So this suspected racist uh, teacher said, um, why do you think it's not um, black females and white males? And then, you know, the basically he's uh, allowing the uh, the uh, students to do his racist um, bidding for him, you know, to make um, these racist comments or whatever without him having to, to do it himself. And they were like, oh, yeah, the, you know, uh, black females are loud and they're, you know, ghetto and they always want to fight and they're argumentative and stuff like that. And, you know, I guess he's just listening and just satisfying his, uh, his little racist appetite by getting these, uh, children to say the racist things that he wants to say. And then I guess he said, uh, um, take a look around campus. Who do you, who do you guys think, uh, who do you all think, um, is the, the loudest, you know, type of, uh, group of people around the campus? So, again, these students are like, oh, yeah, black uh, females, of course. They're just loud and boisterous and obnoxious and ghetto. And um, and then I guess he offers this, this explanation as to why black females are loud. He was saying that um, black, I guess, black people have such large families or whatever. They have just so many offspring that in order to be seen, in order to, any type of tension amongst their family or to eat or I guess whatever is to be loud so that's like the the reasoning or the logic behind black females being loud and um and of course my daughter she brought this to my attention and she knew knew that it was illogical and uh and that it was racist but uh I suspect that this type of stuff is going on with uh throughout the country and throughout the world it's just uh trying they're attempting to brainwash children with uh racist ideas oh well they're trying to brainwash black children in particular to be uh to uh, practice anti-blackness and just to reinforce the racist behavior of uh white students but, uh that's all i wanted to share thank you very much
1: I have no idea where that would fit in the curriculum, uh, teaching about how loud black females are or uh, tragic. Or I have no idea what that has to do with fundamentals of educating children. But, again, uh, my puny Negro-sized brain might just not be able to do the computations. Uh, the caller, 3637, 3637, do you have commentary? Yes, may I be
12: heard? Yes, ma'am. Hello, everyone call from 712. Um, I'm calling with another update from the job that I called. I think it was last month. I was the person that um they tried to get me to do something at my job and I, I didn't want to do it but I still went ahead and did it. This time um, I'm suffering from an injury at my job and they wanted me to do a job that was going to further injure me. So I refused to do that job because I didn't, I was already hurt. I didn't want to get hurt more. And they, they fired me because I wouldn't, I wouldn't do that job. I had job refusal. Um, they brought me into HR. Uh, you know, they wanted to know, did I know why I was being bought in there? And I told them it's probably because I'm getting a raise because I'm an outstanding worker. And they all laughed and then they got serious and they were like, no, it's we're going to have to let you go. And it was, um, they used attendance um, against me. You can't have um, so many attendance points. And I know, I know every job does this um and i end up with my injury i i was calling in i was injured and um the limit is like 14 points and i think i had like somewhere around like 40 50 points um so in reality i was supposed to be terminated probably months ago probably back in in um when it was cold out around here in december january but they would. They used that uh, in HR. They said it was for my attendance, and I asked them, you know, I have so many points. That's interesting that you're calling me in here now and saying that it's because of my attendance, and I went through the whole unemployment thing. If anybody knows about unemployment, you have to get on the phone, and, and you're former employee, and you do an over-the-phone, um, I guess, mock trial or whatever, but... Um, the people that I were working for, they didn't even bother to come on the phone. So I am getting a little bit of assistance with um my unemployment payments, but I'm not able to go to work because I'm still suffering from the injury that I got from my previous employer. So they're still um they're still paying for my physical therapy, they're paying for my medicine and um but other than that, you know, I, I got I got fired and they, they were able to use the the attendance, because it, it was true, I did miss a lot of days because of my injury, but they covered it up like it was because of my attendance, but in reality, it was because I did, I, I refused to do it. That was the first time I refused to do a job out there, and I just, I wouldn't do it, and so um, that is, that's my update on that job, and I'll be out here again. I gotta- strong resume and this is a city that has a lot of job opportunities so I'm not concerned about it it's just it was it was decent money it was more money that I that I have made I've only worked hourly jobs but I'll um I'm not really I'm not really concerned about the job me finding another job it's just I don't know they just keep doing this horrible stuff to people and they have signs posted up like they're concerned about if you do get hurt, but I don't I don't think that, that they are. And that is my workplace racism. Thank you. Wow.
1: I'm, I am sorry to hear that. That is uh, the audio segment we had at the very beginning of the program. I think it was the last little bit of what Mr. Fuller was sharing where he said uh, if Racists, if they want to get rid of you, is nothing you can do to stop it. Whatever reasoning they come up with, uh, that again is the system of, of racism, white supremacy, um, and typically that sort of thing. If you know you are demonstrating some black self-respect, you have an injury. I'm not able to do this. That sort of retaliation, that was also in the beginning uh, audio clip. That sort of thing is super common, uh, and that's where they'll just go and say, "Oh, well, you missed." Uh, this amount of days, uh, you know, for whatever reason. And we just can't have people. I think Mr. Foley even talked about that before as well. Uh, we just can't have you, you know, missing all these days. That's not they, they might even throw the F word in there. It's not fair to your other coworkers to keep missing all this time and then they have to do extra work and and all that and we're so sorry it didn't work out and you know make up a lot of nonsense excuses but and and that is a part of it as well just to have us demoralized and you have to keep going back through the employment process and as you said having these little mock trials as you called it when you have to call to try to get some help uh, from unemployment that sort of thing just all of that to demoralize us it destabilizes you you might have to move it just it can cause such a disruption uh, to your life, to your career. Uh, you have to keep trying to find new jobs and things. That's why I encourage you, you know, if you can, to, to try to minimize that to the best of our ability. But that is exactly uh, what racists have planned for us, uh, to just keep job to job, job to job, whether you know they make us frustrated enough where we leave or whether they find some nonsense reason to uh, terminate us. That is exactly how the system is supposed to be rolling uh, 2016, unfortunately. Um, did we miss anybody? I know Roz had commentary. I'm um, going to make sure we get him in uh, before we get ready to wrap. Is there anybody we have not heard from at all? Voice has not been spoken.
14: Can I get heard? Yes, sir. Uh, yes, thank you, sir. Uh, greetings to Gus, the host, the listeners and callers. I have a few observations. Uh, there was a, a, a one, like an incident in the past that I was thinking about. Where, like, I know you mentioned about uh, helping white people, you know, this is on a job. So, like, since I move around a lot, like, there would be, like, sometimes black people and uh, white people, you know, they'll they request uh, if I could bring them, like, something back, uh, like a snack or something. And, like, it was one time where, like, a, a white woman, you know, she said, uh, like, could I get a, like, a Diet Coke or something? So you know, like I had, you know, I had got the change from you know, and she was like, you know, oh thank you, you so, uh, you're so tall and dark, you know. She used the word dark. She said you're so tall and dark, and like I thought about, you know, how Dr. Wilson, she pointed that out on Philip Donahue like the tall, dark and handsome, that old phrase, um, and <laughs> like it was. I remember it was a, a like a white person walking by. And she said, you know, oh yeah, I wanted a, a a dark Coke. And then the woman said, no, you mean a a diet Coke. So like that that was that's very interesting. Um, uh, like a change of word, you know, uh, you know, Coke, the Coke products, uh, dark in color. So that like that was the first one, and like the second was like this black female. She was telling me how um, like that white male supervisor, he was trying to I guess extract uh some kind of um viewpoint on the race issue from her because he was trying to I guess bait her into saying something by saying, Oh, you know, like this this uh person that I used to have working for me she used to accuse me of being a racist and you know, like, you know, what would you think of that? <laughs> And then she said, you know, like, she ain't fall for it. She, was, she just basically said, you know what, Blink, uh you know, I'm not, I'm not really into talking about that here. And, you know, I just know my place around here. So that's what she said. So, you know, whatever that meant. And, and uh, that, like, the next one was, they're like, there's another black female in my department, like, talking about how the University of Florida, like, how we um, – then, uh, well, like the white supremacists at the university have, uh, practiced racism toward black quarterbacks, like throughout the history. And she, said she knew somebody that was mistreated because they're not white, uh, who had very good skill. Like you said in the past, even though if you have, like, a prowess as an athlete, like, that's, like, you know, that still don't matter because. You still uh, aren't, you know. You're not a white person, so she was saying that you know they have this kind of thing called the Bull Gators uh, for um, University of Florida, where you know you have you know you like. She was saying, do you see those people, you know, with these RVs and these expensive luxurious vehicles during the college football? All season and i was like yeah you know i've seen them and she said yeah you know those are considered the bull gators so i asked her like what are you like what is that that term right that you keep saying oh you mean bull gators you you know and i said yeah and she didn't really have a definition for it but that was the term she was told by her father um i guess that he was an alumni so you know just a uh, very high level white supremacist activity you know and she was just trying to say that i guess that since they i guess donate money they don't want you know black quarterbacks on the field so This is how you end up with a Tim Tebow, you know, because even though he doesn't have the skill to be in the pros, he still still gets offers and all kinds of good treatment, you know, in a Jesus jersey. But um, uh, the last thing I wanted to share was there was this document I was reading about the, uh, like, it was talking about underutilization, and it kept, saying like females and minorities like like them being targeted groups and like that word female it reminded me of that one caller who was saying you know well you know i am white and i you know aren't I? and then she switched it by saying i am female so like i thought about how those words are, are synonymous and uh interchangeable at least that's how they you know they made a scene in this document And they were saying, you know, white females are underrepresented for um, officials and professionals and all these different titles. But when it came to black females uh, and they listed Hispanics, the titles became shorter. But the most prioritized ones, when they was talking about people being underrepresented were the white females. But I'm thinking, just like how I think you had said that, they are the are seventy percent of the teachers, so it's like I don't see any underrepresentation. So when I'm looking at the numbers on this, I have to share more about it in the future. But I found it very interesting how they're practicing racism because they like they'll say females are minorities, then they'll go and specifically say white females and then black females, and make it seem like it's not that obvious. So. Uh, that's pretty much all I had to share for now. and uh, Thank you very much.
1: Thank you. Strong representation from Florida today. Um, I had never heard of that term before, bull gator. I have to uh, ponder on that one. Definitely Welsing moment, uh, if anyone has read the ISIS papers for analysis of uh, the bull and bullfighting and all of that. But that is, uh, I'll have to ponder that, particularly if that's, these are the whites that are responsible for having white Jesus on the gridiron, uh, Mr. Tim Tebow. and. Him continuing to getting deals, even though he is not uh, qualified uh, to be an NFL quarterback. He is going to be okay because he is white in a system of white supremacy. I uh, know, I think Ross had uh, commentary you wanted to share, either on his own job or whatever. You wanted to make sure you got in. Thank you for uh, being patient, sir. Were you going to comment as well, Roz?
10: Uh, I, uh, yes, I was. I um, had a, a workplace observation and, um, and then just a couple of other things as well. Um, the workplace observation was um, I was talking to a white female yesterday who called into my job. I work in the healthcare industry, and she was discussing uh, just the change in pricing for the coverage for next year and how it was so high. And then she had um, made a statement about Obamacare and um, basically saying that, you know, this is becoming expensive and then, uh, we had discussed the fact that, like, 11 states, uh, companies, health care companies, insurance companies in about 11 states are dropping Obamacare for the upcoming year. And um, as we were getting into this discussion, I said, um, uh, were you aware that the policy, uh, the Affordable Care Act, was not a policy that President Obama actually created? And she was like, um, yeah, I am. And uh, she actually went into telling me the history of, um, of uh uh, Bob Dole presenting this legislation back in the mid '90s, and essentially I just chimed in and said, "Yeah," I said the only policy they would allow him to put through was this particular policy. So I said, um, "So I said nothing else." And then she actually went on to talk about it. She said, "Oh, well, I feel sorry for him," and you know, blah blah blah, and she's going on. And I just thought to myself, I was like, right there, you know, you're you're lying right in this conversation because you complained about so-called Obamacare, but yet when I ask you a question about whether or not you're aware this is a policy that he did not create himself and it was the only policy that Republicans would allow him to put through, you were fully aware of that, you know? And then she goes back into this whole discussion about how she felt sorry for Obama and, you know, how, how um, he really did the best that he could with what he was given in regards to the situation um that he walked into when he took over the presidency. So I found that to be just a uh, very, very interesting And then um, in regards to uh, some of the people who uh, have talked about when they become more codified, uh, people that's actually saying to them that they're, you know, um, becoming more introverted or they're not, uh, I guess, uh, they're not, they don't have the right vibrations or whatever terms these white people use uh, to describe you not fitting into whatever racist paradigm that they set up at the plantations where we respectively work. And I found that one thing that kind of works for me is just the fact that in every job, I just lay the lay the law down very early in the sense that, you know, and I say this every time we have a meeting where we have to introduce ourselves and meet other people, I say it right then and there so everyone who I will be working with directly and whoever supervises, they hear it. And I say, I don't come to work to be friends with anyone. I don't come to work to talk about my private life. I come to work to do a job. Uh, and I always say if I happen to become friendly with other people on the job as a result of our interactions for work-related things, then I look at that as a fringe benefit, but I don't come to work to befriend anyone. And I find that me just setting that precedent early and coming to work and being serious, I don't ever get the pushback that I've changed or I don't speak to anyone. I'm very cordial with folks. I've actually had other black males on the job who are codified tell me that they've always heard that I'm one of the so-called nicest people on the job. but i I have a particular aura about me that first of all I'm serious and um and I don't and I just have a very i have a very uh serious demeanor, but I'm a very approachable and friendly person, so just getting that from other codified blacks who might have heard about heard either other white people and or other non white people speaking about me um I think that that tends to work for me. I don't know it'll, if it'll work for others, but I think it might. If you are beginning a particular place of employment, it definitely might not. If you have already been in that particular place of employment for a long period of time and you were not codified and then you become codified, they're definitely going to zero in on something like that. And then the last thing was um, actually uh, yesterday, I was coming home from work and I'm at uh, 34th Street, Penn Station. And there's these uh television screens that have all of the different uh train lines that are going to different parts of New Jersey and, and other parts of the train station is going to different parts of the country, but I go to Jersey from uh from New York City. So um there's a huge crowd around the screen that I usually stand close to because it puts me in decent proximity to all of the different tracks that my train could potentially be on, which is about uh, 12 of them. So it puts me right in an area where I can pretty much as easy as possible access any one of those 12 if they call that my train is on one of those tracks. So it was such a huge crowd around the screen that I actually walked around and got really close to uh, the actual television. Um, where they had this stuff displayed, and I was literally right at the edge, and there was a crowd, literally just an incredible crowd just surrounding the screen. So after about maybe five to seven minutes, this white guy touches me on the arm, and he asked me if I can step back because he can't see. So I gave him the look of death, and then I said to him, "Um, don't you ever put your hands on me, don't touch me. And I said, if you need to see, you can walk a few steps ahead and take a look like anyone else, just like I had to walk through this whole crowd just to get to where I'm standing. If you don't like it, I don't care, but do not touch me, and I have nothing else to say to you. So he looked kind of stymied for a minute, and um, he kind of looked a little bit red because there were a mixture of you know white people and black people all waiting for the train. And I just gave him the look of death again, and then I proceeded to mind my business and uh, look for the uh, for my train. And uh, that was my,
1: my story. Uh, thank you for hearing what I had to say this evening. I appreciate it. For sure. The commute, that is also a part of workplace racism, having to uh, deal with getting to and from the plantation and any uh, white terrorism that you may encounter at any point in that journey. That for sure counts. We've had some other people who chimed in with uh, the incidents of uh, white terrorism or just problems uh, with the commute as well. Uh, and that another illustration, black self-respect and not helping white people. Just simple things like that, particularly when you are not actually – uh, on the job in the physical location definitely I mean it should be you really do not have to do much of anything uh, with regards to aiding assisting a white person even taking a step to the side so that they can see you know whatever information is on the the billboard or the sign or you know whatever they are uh, attempting to do um, that is our three hours uh, grand to hear from everybody I still did not get to read everything that folks wrote in but we'll table them for next week. It was a phenomenal hearing from everybody. I'm so glad that we got some uh, black entrepreneurs uh, to dial in to evidence what I have said, and I think others as well, that just being quote-unquote self-employed is not going to excuse you from racist, white supremacist labor practices. Uh, we will be here tomorrow, and this will just be an extension of some of what we talked about today, starting a new book, uh, The Great Sam Greenlee, uh, his infamous 1969 novel, the spook who sat by the door. I think a lot of, well, I won't say a lot, but I think a good number of folks have seen the movie adaptation of the book. The book is not exactly the same, so it will be grand uh, to read and see the differences, but we are starting tomorrow, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. A good chunk of that book is about workplace racism and some of the exact problems that we talked about this evening. It uh, will be great uh, to share thoughts, discuss uh, one of my favorite books. Uh, I've read it, uh, it will be grand to read it again and, and to hear it with y'all. I think a, a good number of people have not actually read the book. So tune in tomorrow. Compensatory call in will be Saturday, 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific. We'll catch up on what has gone down the last seven days. As I stated earlier, global Sunday talk on racism. That is this coming Sunday, 3 p.m. Eastern, 12 noon Pacific. Hope it does not disrupt uh, your football watching plans hopefully you can multitask and uh, just put the sound on mute if you gotta watch the sporting activities uh, this coming Sunday uh, we'll also be here on Monday uh, we will have the return of Dr. Tommy Curry uh, he'll be here at normal time 8 p.m. Eastern 5 p.m. Pacific uh, so just stay tuned we should be here every day now through Monday uh, if you have questions problems uh, additional workplace racism incidents you want to share guest suggestions gripes complaints drop an email until justice at gmail dot com until justice at gmail dot com again thanks to everyone participating I hope it has been a constructive investment of your Thursday evening I will say again sobriety would be best under conditions of white terrorism it is one of the worst combinations in the universe whites alcohol You do not, if you're going to be behind the wheel, want to be under the influence of anything and have that be the day that you bump into Darren Wilson, Daniel Holtzclaw, race soldier, badge or no. We will wrap there. Creator, we ask that you help us remain patient with other black people, victims of white supremacy. We ask that you help us remain patient with ourselves, remind us to demonstrate the highest levels of black self-respect at all times, in all places, each and every time we are in contact with another black person. It has been time. Replace white supremacy with justice immediately. Cow signing out. Thanks all for tuning in.
2: Nigga, you so brainwashed. I'm a victim, brother. problem. You're a victim. <sighs> I'm a victim of 400 years of conditioning.
10: Shut up. The man has programmed my conditioning. Even my conditioning
1: has been conditioned. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's.